to clarify, so I'm going to get by getting it out of other people. I thought but. you said that he's good about juicing other people. You're not wrong, Bear. And you said you've been juicing lately. <laughs> like Jet <Jack> Lily. <clears throat> Power juicing. <laughs> I'm so glad you broke it to me with my baby's uncle. <laughs> He's be I'm not so ready to be a dad. Podcast episode number one hundred, which means we've been doing this too long. Um, or not long enough. Or not long enough. Sponsored by Murphy's Apple Juice. Murphy's Apple Juice. Um, you gotta juice it. We you gotta drink Murphy's. Jack Lalane, I heard, uh, originally kind of got into bed in the juicing game because he was one of the co-founders of Murphy's. But when they wouldn't name the brand juice after Lalane's apple juice, which is what he wanted, uh, he just dropped it. So he was yeah. like at least one of like one third of the co-founders of Murphy's apple juice. But um, lucky for us, they came up with their distinct bottle shape. It's not Martinelli's. And it's definitely not a uh, treetop. It's definitely not a butt plug in spite of how much <laughs> it looks like a palm bottle of juice. <laughs> Murphy's, thanks for supporting our... Um, look at what Roman's doing. He's going to knock... I got to look it up. Uh, oh. <coughs> yeah, look it up. I don't um, know what this bottle looks like. It was like. a nice little ruining of my childhood because my whole association with Murphy's apple juice is going to Pagliacci's on Broadway with my mom and she would get me one of those cute little bottles. and. Ugh. Yeah. yeah. Now I'm going to only think of a butt plug and not my happy childhood memories whenever I look at one. Thanks. I'm confused, guys. <laughs> oh, Barry's here. Oh, hi. I'm a stuffed bear named Barry. <laughs> and I'm cool as ice. <laughs> he is pretty cool. You all can't see Barry, but he's here as a guest. <laughs> I'm a guest. Um, we're going to talk about some comics this week. 100 episodes in. Just buddied out love. Um, I'm Jeff, and I'm Barry, and I'm Barry! <laughs> I'm Django, and those are Barry and Barry. And I'm Roman. And I I'm get to hang out. Oh, oh. Go ahead. Oh, oh. I was just going to say, I'm an old friend of Barry's. Mm -hmm. Hang out with him every Monday. That's true. Both of them. Oh. Well. And I'm Colette, holding Barry, too. And technically, that's Newberry. Oh, Newberry. Uh, okay. After the book award. I'm, I'm Newberry. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> Man, so this is some really good audio humor with no visual aid. Um, where every Tuesday we get a bunch of comic books. We uh, bring them back to our shops, sort them, count them, love them, excitedly bring them home after we give them to all of our customers. And then we come back here, usually on a Wednesday, to record a podcast about the books, talk about them in secret. In our secret sanctum of sanct comics, that's a comic book reference, in this secret room um, where we can have our actual opinions and we can finally let the guys down and just really lie and stop lying. Really be honest Unleash. about our shit. Unleash, even though it's generally pretty much how we represent ourselves. <laughs> I'm, although I was a little bit, I'm glad that we get to talk about Batman Damned and I get to be absolutely honest about it on this podcast. Um, hey, Django, what are we going to read this week on my bell? Well, uh, Barry, we're going to read Batman, Batman number 55. Uh -huh. We're going to talk about Black Hammer Age of Doom oh. number 5. Yep, yep. Mr. Miracle number 11. Oh. 
Pearl, number two. Two. Return of Wolverine, number one. He's got a good back. And uh, Batman <laughs> Damned, number oh, one. Dirty one. <laughs> Batman Damned. <laughs> and then we'll talk about some other books. Mm. Quick, quick like. Quick like. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> We're going to try and talk about a whole bunch of books because conveniently, on our 100th episode, there were also a whole lot of really good uh, books that came out. So You know what this means? This means that we've been reading comics and talking about them on this podcast for a hundred weeks in a row. Like, yeah, we, we haven't missed a week. We haven't missed a week. Um, some of us have missed weeks, but we've never not put a podcast out. Even though we don't have any podcasts older than like 30 on the feed. No, we do. Did that Third mystery get solved? <clears throat> so we... They don't show up on the website, uh-huh. but they do show up on your your podcast app. Okay, cool. So yeah, Dino can do it? Dino Dino can do it if he has a podcast out. Colette, you're here. I'm here. Colette, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I had to get as much shop time in before I'm not here for an extended we'll period. We'll still make sure you're here. I, I plan on... Handing off baby to dad, his dad, and baby and Barry. Like, I'm gonna go uh, do some podcasting. <laughs> Get Barry this serious. house. I love you both, but what? fuck off. What is the time frame with which you get to start drinking alcohol again? When it's out out of all of your jug milk. Uh, well, I'll just be pumping and dumping. Oh, nice. Yeah, <laughs> probably. I mean, probably like pumps and dumps. A month after he's born? Okay. I don't know. Cool. Let's see Uh-oh. how long I can stay. I've it. got a list of things that you need to learn before you become a parent. No, and that's one of them. It's not so much a, uh, oh God, when can that happen? It's how long can I make it before I break town and say, cave. yeah, this is happening now. You could become a big old mommy stoner. I could. I'm just saying, like, everybody loves a mommy stoner. That's a category of person I just made up in my brain. Okay. You know what they don't drink? <laughs> what? Murphy's apple juice. They don't. No, you're not allowed to. That's uh, because Murphy's doesn't want to dilute the brand. Dude, we are going to lose this sponsorship if we're not careful. We got one sponsorship in 100 episodes. Yeah. It's an apple juice. Everyone should go out and buy Murphy's apple juice. Um, we're very into it, and we're drinking that apple juice tonight. Yep. It's delicious. <sighs> ah, it tastes like Jack LaLanne's sweat. Uh, <laughs> Scotch. Oh, <coughs> oh, Murphy. Murphy's Law. Mm. Um, <laughs> guys, memory let's, power. Let's get into the issue that DC, the the one issue that DC wanted to make sure we ordered a lot of this week. Batman 55, Tom King, Tony, Daniel, Danny, Mickey. Nine panels a lot of the time. This was a pretty issue. Oh. Ooh. I what? just burped and I said that. Are you? <laughs> that was Bear. You okay? <laughs> that was Barry. Barry. <laughs> um, yeah, this was a really pretty issue. I... May or may not have put in Tony Daniels. So we're going to do a second half of this episode as well, which talks about some of our favorite things in all of comic books. We're all going to talk about that. But uh, this artist almost, or maybe did, make my list. Because, I, God, I love this guy drawing Batman so much. Yeah. it's uh, it, So the art in this issue makes me think of everything that I really like about good Greg Capullo. Like the, yeah. the faces and the, the acting. And it also is like everything I like about Jim Lee. Yep. But mm-hmm. like, I don't want to say better, but different in a way that suits me a little bit more. Yeah, it's not, yeah. All, it's not all slick. Yeah, like and not as liney. Yeah. It's a little less sketchy. It doesn't have that, that uh, 
I'm trying to not look like it's still the 90s, yeah. but <laughs> that's who I am. Yeah. So get off my back. Yeah. And the colors in this are top-notch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. And I, at some point a couple years ago, Tony Daniel started having a different colorist do his work, and it got a lot better. It got, like, flatter in a good way. Like, everything uh-huh. got a little bit more matte. Um, he, Tony Daniel did a bunch of art in like the Grant Morrison Batman, which was when I was really, really getting into comics as an adult. So I'm particularly biased towards this guy's art, but I, I really love his Batman. Uh, what happened in this issue? Dick Grayson and Batman are hanging out together. But they, they, they hung out a lot in the last Buddies. issue. And, uh, so they're hanging out in this issue. Dick's like kind of connecting with Bruce and, and being, uh, kind of childish, poking fun at him. Challenging him to games, um, making puns that uh, Batman, obviously because he's Batman, doesn't think are cool. Doesn't outwardly think are cool. And uh, in the meantime, we have someone arriving in Gotham from Russia. I think we know he's Russian from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's buying a gun and setting up uh, his sniper rifle and just kind of methodically doing menacing things. And by and the eating end, eating a hot dog. And eating a hot dog. But oh yeah, yeah. menacing, chill, got it, chill hot dog consumption. <clears throat> uh, and by the end of the issue, he has shot Dick in the head. Also, do we? By the way, we have spoilers, spoilers in this. <laughs> hey, I'm a and I want you to know that I haven't read these, but I'm gonna get them spoiled for me. And if you want to be a bear, you could not do the. Spoilers! Um, So what I liked about this issue is that all of the Batman and Robin stuff, which was, I think it was a pretty good half and half split between the Batman and Robin stuff and then the KG Beast stuff, um, all of the Batman and Robin stuff was like freeform panel layout, but all of the KGB stuff was nine panel grid. Hmm. So like, and there was no overlap between that, which I think is a really awesome, like, it's cool that he always does Time Paddle Grid and Mr. Miracle or just uses it a lot in different things, but it's also, I think, particularly cool when there's some sort of like scheme or gimmick involved with it. Like, all of this character is this, but then all of these characters are like full-page art. And almost every single one of the uh, Batman and Dick Grayson panels is uh, a full splash page, maybe with panels sitting over it. Yeah. But they're, yeah, that's, uh, that's really neat. I, I didn't notice that. Yeah, I... I'm, I'm going to admit something that I've always been a little afraid to admit in front of mm. you two, Jeff and Django. Namely, Roman's a safe man. And the Bears are, of course, I'm not a big fan of nine panel, usually. Yeah. And uh, mm. uh, usually mm-hmm. bores me a lot. But this is like, this is when it works. When it's it got, it's honing in on those little moments and creating a nice staged effect. And like, there's the one page where it's, him choking the guy and just each yeah. little slow panel of yeah. his face changing yeah. as he's killing him. And Great it's, facial work. Yeah, it's actually <laughs> dynamic and engaging nine panel. And I yeah. I agree. I don't I don't I'm not fond of the nine panel grid. I think that Tom King uses it in an interesting way, but like I'm not a huge Watchmen fan. Like I I like the Watchmen, but I'm not a huge fan. I like when Tom King does it because. I think there's an interesting aspect to like why he's doing it. It's like, intentional. It's not yeah. just because it's. Uh, and I don't know yeah. why he's doing it. So the fact that it seems like there's an intentional decision that I don't get lures me in. But I don't like. 
I don't have any reference like or, or deference for it. I don't think that it's necessarily the strongest. I, I also think it's boring because um, I like interesting dynamic panel layout. Um, well, I, I apologize for projecting. No unfair. No, I mean I'm I'm with you because I'm afraid to talk to Django about that. You guys are both idiots. <laughs> <laughs> I like the nine panel. Um, I I like. In this one, it just shows kind of the difference between Batman and Nightwing's kind of freeform style and KG Beast's methodical, I do this, and then I do this, and then I do this, and then I do this. Why do we care about KG Beast? Who is this guy? Um, he was in a movie. He was? he was? Yeah, he was in, like, Batman versus Superman. Oh, wow. I don't know if I saw that. They didn't make a big deal out of it, but I feel like it was one of those things that, like, if you noticed, this main guard or something was KGB star oh, okay. or something. Um, he's uh, He first appeared in Batman um, right around the same time as A Lonely Place of Dying and uh, Year 3 uh, in Ten Nights of the Beast. So uh, early, early, early 90s or late 80s. Is he intimidating? Why did he? Sh- why did he shoot Dick in the head? And why do we? Why do we even? Well, actually, Ashton pointed out to me he was in the that recent All Star Batman comic because I didn't think he'd appeared in like years. Okay. But I guess he was in that comic. That All Star Batman was outside of the Rebirth universe, I think. Was it? Uh, and and yeah, other than that, I don't think we've seen him in the in the Rebirth universe. So, who knows why he's so important? He's a KGB agent, badass who is an actual threat to Batman. Um, I don't know. I don't know why Tom King would have picked him, except that maybe he's the opposite of Tom King. And I guess this is another problem with like the way that comics come out is that like he was shot in the head, but we have all these comics that are like dealing with the fallout of issue fifty-five. Dick Grayson doesn't remember who he is, and you're like, okay, so he's not dead. He just has yeah. amnesia. My theory is that they're just trying to take him out of Heroes in Crisis. Take him out, or start him like have heroes in crisis start of the first he is he's like one of the people in that big big group i don't know i I, to me it just feels like they're trying to maybe not have him be an integral part of that story because if he was involved maybe some mysteries wouldn't work or something wouldn't work because it just seems a little bit weird like that starts like next week tom king's writing both there's not a really clear reason to have done this it seems it could related. be a good introduction, though, to that, yeah, the, the facility and everything. Oh, so like so maybe like, he'll go to it. He's going yeah, there, and then sense. we get to see it, and yeah. he's off in the yeah. background. That's why I thought that's why I thought it happened Take here because I thought that was Dick was going to be the first like inductee or okay. That, that makes sense. First too. patient. It's, it's felt related to me. I'll tell you what, the cover to the next issue of Nightwing <laughs> is good. Is awesome. It is. It's got him with a scar on the side of his head in the shape of a Nightwing. I'm glad to hear you guys say. KG Beast, because I've always had a problem with his name, because for some reason when I read it, I always read KGB Beast. And then I realized there's not two Bs here. It must be KG Beast. I thought you were going with the KGB East. East. I thought so, too. Yeah. I thought that was for sure oh, what he was going to be saying. That one didn't occur to me. Non-standard brand. Magneto, KGB I know. My non-standard brand. It's like how I always mispronounce. Tano. Yeah. yeah, it's how I always mispronounce uh, Magneto. Dark Seed. Oh. Yeah. Or it took him years <laughs> to stop calling me Dango. D- he called me Dango <laughs> Do. <laughs> he still calls me Dupway. <laughs> um, yeah, I give this. I give this one like a nine. I, what I really loved about it was just, it was just a like a buddy book. Unfortunately, I did know something bad was going to happen to Nightwing. So every page, I was like, "What's going to happen?" Because yeah. this is also jovial. Um, but I really love when you just get solid moments with Batman being 
you know, kind of Wolverine-esque, just sort of like gruff, tough dad style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, one thing that they're doing really well with this series is, and it's it's not all the time, but it seems like for the last few issues, it's been a whole bunch of one-shots that are building towards something. Like, you could just read this issue, and you would have a complete story, except there's a cliffhanger, right? But, like, this is this is almost... A bottle episode. Well, but this issue made the last one mean more. Right, but but, Which but you didn't I haven't have to read, read the last one. The wedding. Yeah, yeah. And this was a wonderfully contained. Yeah. Totally easy to read. Like I really enjoyed reading this, even though yeah. I've only been reading this series. Like every fifteen issues, mm-hmm. I end up reading one because I'm scheduled to be here. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and I I, I I I would say props to that. Like, yeah. Good job making a bunch of single issues that get better and better and better the more of them you read, but you don't have to read them. Um, I give this an eight and a half. Um, Something about it didn't mesh for me, Mm. and I can't... It felt like I was reading Grant Morrison in the action scenes. So, like, jumping around, you don't get any of the setup, you just get some of the payoff of the fight. And that's not my favorite way of having a Batman story because I prefer the detective part, I guess. I'll tell you what the problem was. <clears throat> Not nearly a Bruce Wayne dick. I give it a two. <laughs> Roman? Um, I'm going to give this high marks. You know, one of the things I loved in this, when you go back through it, look at the rain. The way he uses rain. It's, it's one of the best uses of rain in a comic. Because it's not static from panel to panel. It's like going slightly different directions. It's it's yeah. bouncing off the faces. It's not all the same angle. Yeah, even the nine panel mm-hmm. stuff with the KG Beast. He's uh, a good job. I think it's KG East. Be East. Um, it, when it shows from behind him, the rain's going. The rain matches when it changes perspectives on him. Mm. I really like that. Oh, that is really cool. Mm-hmm. And I and I and I love a good Dick Grayson story. He's still my favorite Robin. He's I'm gonna give I'm gonna give this. Uh, I might even give this a ten. <laughs> I really like this <laughs> issue. <laughs> on the table. <laughs> Clint. Uh, yeah, I um I really liked this issue. So I. Uh, was shown the the panel of Dick getting shot in the head before I ever read any oh. of it, so I knew it yeah. um, going in, which I actually, I think it was one of those moments where I was, the spoiler made it more interesting to read the mm. book because I could focus on each panel a little more and, and mm. each page and not just like, hmm, what's coming? What's going to happen? What's the point of all this? Um, and I just really liked the dynamic between the two of them. It felt familiar. It had that, like, hearkening back to the Batman and and Robin that I knew as a kid with it still being what's great about current. And, uh, yeah, I'd probably give it a nine. Nine. It was really pretty, too. Nine! I really liked this issue. Not enough, Dick. Um, That's cool, all the different... Because I had no idea that about the spoiler. I had no idea. Really? Yeah. It so like? it's cool that his writing's so good that yeah. it doesn't matter if you knew about it or not. You want to do yeah. monthly orders? You want to do a bunch of orders? You want to do orders? Careful. Place Careful, orders? Roman. He's on the edge. I'm on the fucking edge. If I didn't have this fucking adorable bear in my lap, I would be off the edge. Black Hammer, number five. Jeff Lemire, Whoa. Dean Ormston, Dave Stewart, Todd Klein. So spoilers, everybody. We did talk about the big spoiler of the last issue when it came out. Um... But Black Hammer has just gone buck wild. Yes. Since last issue. It, I it, I got nothing. Yeah. Me neither. <laughs> I do. 
Shut up, Bear. Roman, what do you think? I'm flipping through it now to refresh my memory because I read this on Tuesday. So, um. like, the last <laughs> issue, we basically, spoilers, 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 Black Hammer, spoilers. Um, the, we've spent the whole first couple volumes with these this crew in a heart, like a farm town that they can't leave and they don't know how or why they got there. At the end of that issue, um, it turns out that they are trapped in stasis pods in a spaceship and you don't know why. So this issue explained why and how they were trapped in these stasis pods. And what we learn is that they fought the big dark side Galactus character. Um, I forget what his name Anti-God. is. Anti-God. And there's this large scale sort of metaphysical cosmic balance to the universe of positive and negative intention and an entity. And when they took out this huge negative anti-God, the universe, that was the removal of a big negative. So in order to keep the universe balanced, they also had to remove a positive. So the psychics in their crew, uh, Colonel Weird and uh, I forget the wish. Madam Butterfly. Madam Butterfly created this shared dream reality that they stayed in, but then they all, uh, it sort of grew and took on a life of its own. And yeah, I just love what a huge turn that is. But I also love that it doesn't seem like that is the end of the story. It's this huge turn, and now we're just jutting off in this new direction at a high speed. And we're like 25 or 30 issues into the the overall Black Hammer universe at this point. And to have the main series take a turn like that yeah. is, is really impressive. This issue kind of focuses on explaining why they're in there and everybody's reaction to being removed from the uh, the stasis pods and being taken off the farm. And it's, it's really interesting because some of them are super bummed to be out and uh, want to go back to the farm and some of them want to go back to Earth and it's, uh, I don't know, he's, just, he's got such a good ear for characters. I love basically that conversation of if you live in a dream but you're happy in the dream, what's a more valid existence? Like, yeah. is it okay to be happy in a thing that's not real or do you need to be not happy in a thing that is real? And yeah. that... I, th- I like that. Yeah, I love the fact that Abe is, <clears throat> even once he's been told that t- Tammy and everybody was fake, he's like, I don't care if it's fake. I want to go back. Send me back. Mm-hmm. And that's all he wants. Yeah. And I like that they, this like this issue helps tie in some of the other spinoff series. Mm-hmm. Like we get Dr. Star in there, uh, James Robinson, hmm. look-alike, name-alike. And we get um, just just a little bit of crossover with some of that, uh, some of the spinoffs. I think... I think like Jeff Lemire has a huge plan for this, and yeah. I would love to see just like the girth of his outline for this, uh, for this series. That <laughs> <laughs> was very good. Girth um, of the outline. What I what I like. Now we're talking about Batman Dan. We're talking about your khaki pants. Uh, what? Yeah, I like that at the end of this, it's this they get enveloped in this big white light, and the next issue we've got a totally different artist on. And it looks like it's focused on Colonel Weird in a different reality. So it looks like maybe our group is going to be separated in different realities yeah. or something yeah. will be brought back. So it seems like we're engaging in this really big second act. And I don't know why the title of this book is Black Hammer, but I guess it feels right. Is it? Uh, is that Rich Tommaso doing the next issue? Yeah. Uh, is it? Okay. I'm going to like his art with, I think, Lemire's writing. Yeah, I never don't like his art. I just... I agree. I like a lot of other art better. Yeah. But his his stuff is like weirdly compelling to me. Yeah, he he's generally an artist Colonel on a book. Weirdly. That ha- oh, Roman, very good. 
is, um, I forgot what my question was going to be. That's okay, Roman. Yeah. We love you anyway. <laughs> I love you anyway, Roman. Can I be on your lap? It's okay sure, Barry. Forget mm. things. Oh. I'm going to keep oh, saying God. that because it justifies my brain not doing anything. What is anymore. in your lap? <laughs> uh, I give well, this issue of Black Hammer also a nine. Nine it's, what? I give this nine raging hammers of bear. Ooh. And yeah, it it's just, it's a series at its prime, I think. And out, out of nowhere, it's just this great book that is doing its own thing, but it doesn't feel one-dimensional. I'm going to give this eight stasis pods. Oh. Uh, I would have liked a little more progress. We it's, found it's out great. everything. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Then I'm just an asshole. Eight stasis pods. Fuck no. y'all. Oh, hey. <laughs> hey, Colette, I need to go over to him. I have to. He needs me. <laughs> he needs me right now. Django, hold me. Bubble <laughs> bell. Newberry was going to give my score for me. Oh, I just a second. It. I got to go back to Colette. <laughs> oh, here. What do you got, Roman? I'll give it, I'll give it nine. Nine, nine black hammers also. Nine hammers. Uh, Newberry here. <laughs> I, uh, I give it a, a I give it a ten because I think it's fantastic and a great example of comic book storytelling. Superheroes at their finest. Colette's dumb and she hasn't gotten around to reading any of it yet, <laughs> so I have to speak for her. But it was fantastic. Newberry is way more pro comic book than classic Barry, who is just like, I want dongs in my books. Comics, comics are dumb. No, they're not, Barry. Listen, Mr. Miracle, I don't think any of you fucking bears could say anything negative. Mr. Negative. Mr. Spider-Man. Miracle isn't that miraculous. Oh, Jesus, Barry. You sound like a Hanna-Barbera card. Uh, Mr. Miracle, number 11, the penultimate issue, Tom King, Mitch Garrods, on the art, killing it. How does Colette, are you reading this book? No. That's okay. <laughs> Is it okay if we just fucking spoil it? Yeah, go for it. To I, all of the listeners I also. I read the first one and I was like, this is really cool, but I have no idea what's going on. And yeah. I don't know if it's because I don't know what's going on or if it's because I have no attachment to these characters. Right. It was so the I figured first. I'd wait and read a lot of it at once. And, yeah. and like with everything that I do that with, it's now not getting read. Well, <laughs> what's cool is that there's one issue left. It comes out in a month. Your baby will be out by then, and I think that this book might have some extra points if you're a parent. Mm. I think that it Absolutely. resonates in a new way. Yeah, um, I'm very excited to have some time in between sleeping and feeding and dealing with diapers. I have a to cat. Actually, catch up on some. Comics. I have a cat and two stuffed bears, so I know yeah, what it's like no, to be a parent. I get it. Yeah. And yeah. so I was reading this, and I actually was thinking about my cat. <laughs> I was like, I get it, because I have a cat. <laughs> this is me reaching. So in this issue, Scott and Barda take their baby to give it to Darkseid to end the war. And uh, their plan all along is to betray Darkseid, stab him in the head with the uh, knife that they got from the Furies. And they do that. And they kill... Darkseid, after Darkseid plucks out the the way he uses the anti-life equation, which is his eyes. He can't shoot the Omega Beams without his eyes, so yeah. he plucks one of them out and gives it to Scott. It's fucking... Gave me the willies. I loved it. Um, and then, not everything was as it seems, and it turns out that Desaad was uh, Metron in disguise. And Metron's a butthole. So, like... That's a question. I don't know a whole bunch about Metron, but yeah, Metron was apparently pretending to be Desaad, and he unveils himself. 
and we learn that Mr. Miracle has, you know, went like when he was killed, like he's been trapped in some sort of false reality this whole time. Um, what do you think, Roman? Like it, it kind of plays back to that lump theory I had. Like he's been in some sort of alternate reality. It seems like. What are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. Well, that that's what I was thinking because when Metron reveals things now in the next issue, we're going to find out what's really happening in this series. Um, <clears throat> like, I don't think Granny Goodness is dead. I don't think any right. of that. Right. Ryan, I don't think is dead. Um, I'm really excited for it because Metron, I've always liked Metron because, yeah, he's often a jerk, but it's, he's like Mr. Spock except without the humanity. <laughs> uh, he's, like, he's like the ultimate Mr. Spock um, to see what his plan is here because he's always been all about acquiring knowledge. So, so what's he up to here? What, what knowledge has he gained from all of this? I don't know that, I don't know that that's what happened. Yeah, I, I certainly do not know what's going on. Because Metron says you challenged the unchallenged, you dared the trap of death, and you escaped. So he says that he escaped, like. Yeah, but like he, he tried to kill himself but universe? didn't actually die. So, like, we are unveiled this giant double-page spread of there is, like... First appearance where, of a two-page spread in this book, yeah, by the way. Where you are oh, not... Wow. Where you are is not where you should be, Scott Free. There is another world. And it shows this gorgeous double-page spread of the DC world as we know it. The rebirth, right? It is rebirth because Superman has his trunks. Right. Mm, yeah. Right. And Flash has his lines. Yeah, they've been in Rebirth and New 52, unfortunately. Oh, well, then yeah. never mind. And Orion's there alive. Yeah, right, because Orion died in the Of course, story. so streaky, the super cat. But <laughs> and um, High Father's there. Yeah, I don't know. This this is a book that I'm going to read again from start to finish because it's oh, yeah. it's what it needs. This book needs an absolute edition is what it needs. Did, mm-hmm. you, uh, did you guys notice the, the main cover? I didn't like it as much as the variant cover at first, but seeing that Scott has just freed himself from those shackles. Like, there's still nuts and bolts falling yeah. off the shackles, and he's like, face-to-face with Thanos there. It's very good. Hey, surprise, everybody. This issue is really, really good for a series that's really, really good. Um, One of those nine panels shows Darkseid looming over Scott, and it just... I don't know if it was intentional, but it just reminded me that Darkseid is so menacing and scary, and he even in his little mini skirt. <laughs> I love him. Yeah, I give this a 9.5. Uh, it's not, get me off under your elbow. He's fine. I'm under your elbow You're right now. fine, Barry. He's got an elbow lock or I something. Thought he's going to tap wrestling him. Oh, my butt. <laughs> this is going to be our best podcast. What's yet? happening to my brother over podcast there? Podcast gold here. Stuffed bears that no one realizes how cute they are. We need a picture of the bear for the image of this podcast so people oh. can look at it. You Maybe really yeah. Yeah. we can do the bear drinking Murphy's apple juice. I love Murphy's. <laughs> um, I'd give this issue a 10. This goal. Wow. Uh, there's, there's nothing wrong with this comic. Perfectly acceptable. <laughs> no. Oh, nothing wrong that. with it. Like, this is way beyond perfectly acceptable. It's, uh... I need to redefine it. We named our podcast Perfectly Acceptable. Are you saying that Perfectly Acceptable does not mean very, very, very good? That means good enough. Yeah, it means oh, good enough. means... That's why I read a lot of good enough comics. Why did I, why did I agree to tying myself to this title? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it, it pulls you right through. It's got twists and turns, and 
It's got dark side eating carrots. It's got dark side eating a deli from a Costco platter. Whole page, fucking ten. Roman, what do you give it? I'll give it a ten. Nice. Yep. Nice. Did I give it a nine point five? I don't know. Did you? You gave it a ten. I feel bad because I think it was a nine or a nine point five. You can escape from that nine point five. Phil Phil says it's a nine point five. Phil, by the way, you are doing a great job manning the knobs. Thank you so much for doing that for us this last uh, strut of episodes. It's always good to see you, Phil. Um, on the topic of Phil, Pearl, number two, by Brian Michael Bendis and Michael Gatos. Colette, what do you got on me? Oh. A lot of dirt. Going first. You know some secrets. Ooh. Uh, oh, people are whispering and it's distracting. I know, it's weird or yeah. disrespectful. It's um... <laughs> I'm loving this book. This is like Bendis for me is is either like a one of my top picks, love, <clears throat> or is just super boring to me. And this is a perfect example of the type of stuff that I love him doing. Like the plot is interesting enough to justify just spending time with characters that I want to get to know more about mm. and finding out this one especially we we get to know a lot more about Pearl, how she became a tattoo artist, her family, her mom was an artist, which I like that it's her mom, not her dad. Mm-hmm. Nice little touch. Um, uh, honestly, this is the first book I read, so it's the one that I'm the least so remembering. Did but, she uh, get tattoos all over her face by the end of this? So it turns out that she's been heavily tattooed all this time. They're just all white ink mm. tattoos and she ends up in a club with black lights and you discover that she's covered in yakuza tattoos that's super cool which i thought was awesome i, Boy. I really love gatos's art and i think that this is a a nice example because the two different timelines have such a different feel but yeah. both of them are so rich and uh, just it's emotional art and i love that i read this issue I didn't get that. The blacklight thing? The blacklight thing. I haven't I, read this issue yet. I read the first one. Um, I had a, kind of a hard time following the first issue, but I did like it all. I, I've, I've liked all of his creator-owned books that have come mm-hmm. out of this DC thing. I think it's pretty incredible that he was able to do four or five new books or revisiting old books that all have first issues that all, I think, work super well, whether they're new series or returning series that feel new. You can tell that he really loves working on these projects yeah. and that at least half of these new ones that he's got coming out, he's been thinking about for a while mm-hmm. or wanting to do. And um, yeah, maybe it's just being a big time tattoo addict that I like, oh, the way that they're glowing in the neon lights, like that's, no, that's a black light tattoo. Sure. You're totally right. That is... That changes my. I was probably going to give this like a six, um, at at the best, because I thought that this issue, for the most part, was just kind of like a weirdly middle issue for something that uh, is only going to be four or five issues long. I was like, nothing happened, but to have that reveal in here, uh, that changed my mind. Nice. Yeah, I I'm really liking it. the The issue on its own didn't stand out to me as much as the first one, but as a part of the storytelling and just getting to know this character better, I yeah. really loved it. Um, I just want to spend more time with her. I think she's super cool. 
Uh, I'm not, I don't give a shit about this boy that she ended up protecting that by the end of it, it looks like maybe she's about to kill. He didn't, I would he like wasn't to see that happen. a super strong sell point in the first issue. Roman, did you read the second issue? I did not. Okay, because I know that you were not hype on that first issue. Yeah. In fact, I believe the exact words he used were, that's not how you sell a fucking comic book. Well, that's because of the spider. I know. In the adorable. beginning. <laughs> it was adorable. That's, that's not favorite, how you get me interested in a story. Roman quote about a book ever. <laughs> what do you give it? Clap. Uh, I'm going to give it, uh, 7.75. Whoa. <laughs> Phil, is that okay? Can she do 0.25? He said, yeah. He says, yeah. Oh, I love you, Phil. Cool. You're the best. You, you kiss his head. <laughs> that was me. I was saying I kiss his head. I'm not demanding other people. Uh, hey, I guys. Would, I would give this one a 7. Oh, from a 6.5? Yeah. Yeah. i give it a 7. Does it change your mind knowing that... Daddy's home. Daddy Wolverine. Daddy's home. Daddy Logan. Daddy finally got that pack of cigarettes he went out for all those years ago. <laughs> and uh, and he's back, and he sure looks like he's hot for claws right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charles Soule and Stephen McNiven, young master Stephen McNiven. Um, into War, Return of Wolverine number one. Django just ran out of the room. Oh, yeah. made, I, don't, I don't know what's going on. Made me feel weird because he's <clears throat> the biggest Wolverine fan here. Oh yeah, he like he is? no one shuts up about Wolverine's awesomeness. I was hoping he could less explain. than Django. Yeah, <laughs> and he loves Wolverine <laughs> and Venom, and those are his two guys. He's Daddy, and less Wolverine and Venom around. If they just had a Marvel daddy. team up book that was just Wolverine and Venom. Django be tending it every week. Oh, that was yeah. the Vietnam book, right? Wolverine and Oh yeah, Wolverine was in there, wasn't he? Sure was. I forgot. Yeah, so so why does Wolverine have energy claws Whoa. a little bit sometimes? Okay, let's just skate over the Colette not liking Venom thing. What? It's, I didn't hear it. I'm sorry. It's not that I don't like him. It's that I <gasps> just oh my God. don't oh. really care. Erica brought us pizza, I think. Erica got oh. us pizza, guys. Erica, thank Erica. you. Hey, podcast, everybody. You're welcome mm. for getting to listen to this. <laughs> oh, yeah. But oh, yeah. Erica, you rule. Yeah, God. she does. All right. No, no, no. All right, everybody. We're just going to get bad audio for seven minutes. That's wanna, what you get. Do we want to suck them down first? Uh-oh. <laughs> yes. Um, mm. Oh. Pizza. This is our 100th episode, so we finally get to... Too. Yeah, me too. We finally get to take our shoes off, munch some chips, munch some pasta, munch some uh, top ramen, some cereal, some pizza, all the different things that we avoided munching for the last 100 episodes. We're doing it now. A little bit of glitter live pizza here. Mm. So... Django, I know that you just took off. Thanks for picking up this pizza um, from downstairs from Erica. But how do you, Daddy's home. How do you feel about Daddy being home? The I two was, big issues this week were Batman Damned and the Return of Daddy. I was a little lukewarm on it. Oh yeah. Yeah, I uh, I like that they're adding mystery back into Wolverine's past. I think that's pretty cool. I don't know that Charles Soule. 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 Oh, he's French. Justin would know. He would have. <laughs> we gotta get Justin back somehow. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm gonna get him fucking back. Yeah? I'm gonna get that guy back. Just like Wolverine. He's back. Oh, get oh get him back here. Get his back. I thought you meant like, get him back. No, no, I was thinking like, you've got his back. Oh, I got his back, but first I'm gonna get him back. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna get his back. <laughs> um, I also was a little lukewarm on it. I, I guess like Charles Soule is writing this. He wrote the death of Wolverine. Mm -hmm. I don't Which know. Which was just fine. Yeah, I don't know why 
I don't know who decided, like, you know who's the voice of Wolverine in the modern era? It's Charles Soule, because dude it, does not know his voice at all. No. It, I, I feel like Marvel goes, hmm, we've got some X-Men characters that Colette really adores. <laughs> Give him Charles. Who are we going to put him with? Oh, let's do Charles Soule or uh, Ed McNiven. Mm. Or Steve no, McGinnis? Steve McNiven is the no, artist. Nope, nope, nope. Ed Brisson. Ed McGinnis? Ed Brisson, thank Ed you. Brisson. That's the, um, we're going to blame the baby every time that I uh, say something wrong <laughs> on this podcast. Your baby's so stupid it doesn't even know people's names. That's hey, no, right? Off. Her baby is a genius. Have you ever seen the movie Baby Geniuses? <laughs> I bet you worked in the theater when that came out. Listen, Jeff, don't date me. You fucking coward. <laughs> we're life mates not dating <laughs> that's true um, man that means that when you were 12 I was a baby it's hot it's super hot <laughs> yeah I uh <laughs> I do think that the art in this is pretty great I mean it's not really? Steve McNiven I don't think it's Steve McNiven uh old man Logan but I I'm a big Steve McNiven fan. You know what I think he's doing is channeling uh, Barry Windsor Smith in a lot of these panels. Yep. Yeah. Like this weird one where <clears throat> and like the last Logan page. His head. Yeah. The last page looks like Weapon X. Oh, see, I usually like McNiven, and I really felt like this was. I hated the art in this. Really, I, was I really think that unhappy. it's like same par this as like his page. Death of Wolverine Ooh. stuff. Yeah, no, that last page is bad, but I feel like, I feel like the, especially the last five pages are worse than the issue. But I think the first ten are gorgeous. Can I but just say I, that we, I really should, we should all just sit here and enjoy our time before he gets Hellfire Claws. Mm, yeah, that's going to be a bummer. <laughs> and yeah. enjoy the time before the second, third to last page where he puts on this weird new costume. Don't like it. Yep, nope, not a fan. Um, yeah, I, I really love Wolverine so much. Really on to an unhealthy level. <laughs> and uh, I did not really like this book. Do you think that's actually Omega Red? I don't know. It's like Omega I Red, they get shot, and then excited to see Omega Red, but I don't know if it actually... I don't trust... You know, I didn't leave this book trusting anything. Yeah, and not in a good way. Not no. like, oh, they've got a bigger plan, but yeah. more like, I don't think that you know. Yeah. Like, I don't feel like... He, I don't I don't like this dude being in charge of as much of the X-Men as he is. Yeah. It, it didn't feel like it was being vague because Logan isn't sure what's going on or who he is or where he is. It just felt like, let's have some claw fight scenes and let's blow some stuff up and... Make some mystery. Yeah. I do agree with Django. I think that it's like an intentional... Like, I think the big thing that everyone points to is that when Wolverine, when his past was explained, he became a way less interesting character. I think mm -hmm. a lot of people point to that as the really big example of showing too much, telling too much. Um, so this, to me, seems like a really conscious editorial intention of being like, all right, well, let's introduce a period where we don't know what happened and he doesn't know what happened. And let's see if we can get people, like him, to be a more mysterious character again. And yeah. That that's fine or whatever, but like what's been done to Wolverine has been done, and we're not going to be able to go back twenty five years to a period where there's mystery about him. I appreciate the intention, but I don't think it was executed right. And I felt like I felt like reading this, even though I've read plenty of the lead up, that this was less clear about what's going on than say the last hunt for Wolverine. The wrap up one whatever dead ends yeah, yeah dead ends and like like it left questions that i w had customers asking me like well what's this and 
I'm like, well, they kind of explained it in this last thing before, but this makes that less clear in I mean, there's, some ways. Yeah, there's mystery yeah. and there's confusion, and this yeah. is less mystery, more confusion. I yeah, think. definitely. I give it a seven. I don't think that it was bad. I did like the art. I do want to read it more and find out what's going on, but I don't think that the voice for the character is good, but I'm also unfortunately at peace with not having really good Wolverine writing. So I give it a six and a half. I'll check in again, but that's the best I can say. Yeah. <clears throat> I'll give it a six. Um, yeah, it was a confusing mess and his costume at the end, his new costume, it looks like a Guardians of the Galaxy cast-off costume. It's one bad. for each claw, Roman. Mm. It's eh? a bad costume. One for each claw. Costumes? Nope, six. Six. Oh. Mm. I did really like the art in the first half of the book, because I'm... It does get worse as it goes on. Yeah, yeah, I love the flaming saber-toothed tiger that attacks him, and, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I love the fact it looked like Mary Windsor Smith instead of Steve McNevin. <laughs> but yeah, it was a mess. Yeah, I probably disliked it as much as I did because I love Logan so much, and right. I've been so disappointed with Sewell's series leading up to Death of Wolverine and then Death of Wolverine and all that that I was I don't know I feel like if this is what you're gonna do leave him dead um, yeah but he was but the one I'll... that killed him and it was also out of nowhere with nothing villains with no like I don't know that anybody in the store could be like oh yeah this is how he died like what the fuck happened there who was that I don't that was a totally forgettable story perfectly acceptable not even. No. Totally forgettable. He went on a farewell tour where mm-hmm. he got to happen to run into a whole bunch of people from his past, mm-hmm. and then the last issue of it was the actual plot that could have been the whole thing, and he happened to go back to a Weapon X facility where they were reworking with Adamantium and trying to do it to someone else, and in the process of stopping it, he ended up encased in it. Right. I liked the last issue. That could have been the entire story for me. Uh, But I'm digressing, and I'm going to give this a five and a half. Yeah. Um, Wolverine, it's good to have you home, but I hope that you figure out what the fuck you're doing. Man, I'm glad we got through that bit where we didn't like the comic. Oh, sorry. Batman Damned by Brian Azzarello and Lee Bermejo, the first issue from the DC Black Label imprint. The first issue they're admitting it's right. from the DC Black Label imprint, because right. now they're saying that the White Knight is part of it. Yeah, and that's that's because, fine. DC, you're doing great stuff and releasing some great books right <clears throat> now, but you're also abhorrently bad at having a mission statement or a goal, and you're just changing shit, and it's transparent. Um, Hang on, i got to open my uh, Murphy's Apple Juice. Um, so we ordered quite a few copies of this book. We ordered as many for the stand as we had ordered for people who were going to get it in their file, which was a gamble because you never really know how many people are going to just want a book. Um, And this one was magazine size. Which is a hard sell. It's also a $7 book, which is a hard sell. Uh, It's an other world story. Um, We signed up everybody who was getting Batman White Knight to it, which is a pretty presumptuous uh, thing to do. And I read it and was pretty bummed by it. I thought it was not very well written. I thought it was really confusing. I think it's only three issues long. This whole first third of the story, I didn't know what even was the the mission statement of this story. Like, yeah. what mm-hmm. is this? And and I thought to myself, gosh, I'm gonna have to find things I like about this so that we can sell all of these. Not because I don't like lying to people. If I don't like a thing, I don't want to tell people that. I mean, I, I want to tell people that, but um, 
if we have a lot of things, I want to find something to like so I can share that with people. The art is gorgeous. Like, this guy's art is awesome. Bingo. Mm -hmm. All right. So what do you give it? Um, <laughs> but I came, I, I work Wednesdays. I have Thursdays and Fridays off. I came back Saturday, and the entire stock of it was sold out, and the issue was going for $30 to $40 online. Yep. Um, all because mm -hmm. there's an exposed Bruce Wayne penis in this issue. Can I say it? Yeah. Bruce Wang. Yeah. And the bat wing. <laughs> it just fucking pisses me off that <clears throat> that like we sold out of a book. I had people calling and begging me yesterday. If you find another one, can you please put it aside for me? Um, just because of this, and I just want books to sell out because of the quality of them. We had a long back and forth about how many of this to order, and there's no fucking way we could have predicted how many to order because there's no fucking wang. Um, it. <laughs> So, as the guy who does the ordering, that really frustrated me. I love the conversation about comics. I love for them to sell out and be popular because people universally like a thing. And I don't think that this book is great. I also don't think the book is great. Um, I think it's really pretty. I plan to read the next two because I like the way it looks. And I think sometimes Brian Azzarello can pull something out of a nosedive. And I wouldn't say this is a total nosedive, but it's very confusing. It doesn't seem to be a good reason for it. And his juxtaposition of Constantine's narration over the imagery just doesn't make any goddamn sense. Did you put sense. my fucking bear on the floor? Oh, no. He, uh, he went down there by himself. He's he a was... bastard, Jeff. He's a bastard. <laughs> he was sleepy. I saw him on the ground. I wanted to save him, but I can't think of Horrible like shrew that. of a man. Um, uh, I, I, on the flip side, am tickled that this gets as much media attention as it does. Um, partly because this is something that you would expect to hear a bunch of people talk down to. Right. And I've, I've seen one report of a store that wrote to DC disgruntled that there was a dick in this comic. And everything else has been pretty positive about nudity in an American comic featuring a huge American idol. And I think that's pretty cool. Uh, I think DC. I think th I think they handled this pretty well so far. We'll see what happens with the reprints. If they take the Wang out of the reprints, uh, I'm going to be kind of confused because everything I'm seeing says it's going to be censored in the next one. And that's they what is so said. fucking frustrating to me. Is like the you know this. I, it's I don't know. I am a huge fan of nudity. I just it seems hypocritical and disingenuous and I don't know it doesn't tickle me because I can see this being a thing that would piss a lot of people off if it were just a little bit different um, well just wait for the Joker's butthole in the next issue yeah it's just that fucking every two months Django switches and says Jeff we need more books for the stand I don't want to sell out and then he says no Jeff we're ordering too much make it sub count and then when a fucking book like this comes out and it sells out Django gets all up in arms he's like we gotta start printing sold out signs oh there's two it's fucking my stress about this is totally related to Django because he fucking is gonna think I'm unreliable because this fucking bullshit is stupid I hate it uh, this was you made that up. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I have no feelings about 
like positive or negative feelings about our ordering. I think we did. <laughs> I think we ordered that as perfectly as we possibly could have under the circumstances. I thought we would probably have 15 copies left over in two months. Right. No, I, after I read it, I was like, I'm going to have to like, I'm going to have to find things that I like about this to, to be able to move through all of this issue. Yeah. Because yeah. that's what I think the quality of this book is. Yeah. I thought the same thing when I read it and I, I honestly, like I was just going to read it and I was like, Oh, there's dong in it. I'll buy it. Whatever. I'll buy the first <laughs> appearance of, of Bruce's Bruce. Wang. Um, but and I read it and I was like, it's pretty. I, I think they took too long to let us know that it was Constantine. It would have helped to know that that's who was narrating. I had the Joker's in voice it. in my head based on the font. Hmm. Yeah, I I didn't really like it and I, it was like the story was disjointed and it felt. More than anything, this whole black label, it's their mature reader's imprint, and there was nothing about the book that made it anything other than T-plus until you got to a shadowy dick. Yeah. No one says fuck. Yeah. There's no, like, excessive violence. Maybe future issues are going to get so dark that it would make sense why it needed to be under an imprint, but it, the, the whole, like... Question about whether or not it made it past censors or all that bullshit is just it's, it's bullshit. But I thought I was gonna have to, you know, like oh yeah, you know, it's really pretty, it's a really <laughs> gorgeous book. I just get but frustrated. Then Friday, I had three people in my one shift who have never been to our store yeah. call in requesting a copy. Like in the almost three years I've worked here, I've never had a book that drew so many non-comic book people so the disappointing and I did not thing, expect though, it this is what they're gonna read yeah. right yeah. And, and that's i guess and what will this appeal to them frustrates me and i remember a previous co-worker at the store andy there was an artist named fk twigs and i bought their album because i really liked her like melodies i bought this album she was super popular at the time and her lyrics were all just like super overtly sexual it was all like sexual lyrics i remember just over and over again being like yeah i just don't like that the th main selling point of this is sexuality because it's the lowest common denominator like boys and girls everybody kind of gets off to sexuality it's an easy way of selling things and he was like no she's reclaiming her sexuality and i was like no she's creating a lowest common denominator way of selling a thing hmm. and so i it just bums me out when a thing like when it seems like the main selling point of a thing is a lowest common denominator thing, and the lowest common denominator like that's because it appeals to everybody, so I get it. But, but it's I just don't like know that this was on purpose. I, I don't think this that... was more fake controversy and yeah. people hearing about books that go for more than they're worth and wanting to stake their claim. By DC? Than... No, I don't. I don't blame DC for this. I'm I think, just yeah, like I think this was a fluke for them. Yeah, I'm not blaming anybody. What it does is make me bummed out at comic readership as a whole. Ah, uh, the comic readership doesn't care except that they can flip it on eBay. Like, Which bums me out about a place that I have worked at, priding myself on hoping that people are connecting with a thing because they deep it's meaningful to them or they like it because that's why I'm here and I'm trying to share that. That's with That's also people. why we have a policy that for the first week you right. can buy one copy because yeah. we want to give everybody right. the chance to read it and ha actually form an opinion about it. Right. And, and also there were probably nine or ten comics that I would give greater than a, a seven point oh out of ten this week yeah like one out of the 60 60 or so comics that came out this week being a flash in the pan batman dick thing like 
whatever. That's part of the industry. We don't have to love it, but it's not. It's not bringing. It doesn't have to bring everything else down. I guess it, it doesn't bring everything else down. It just sort of makes me feel like I'm fighting against a huge current that I don't like. I just am tired of fighting. Yeah, it's a lot of phone calls. I'll tell you that. It's a lot of phone was- calls. <laughs> it's a lot of phone calls. To, like, yeah, a couple of guys came in today and they were like giggling. They're like, <laughs> um, "Do you guys have?" Uh, and I was like, "You guys want Batman? Damn!" And they're like, "I was embarrassed to ask." And I was like. Yeah, everybody wants it. I showed him the Boundless box. Yeah. I was like, you know, I don't know you guys very well, but uh, there's a box over there with sticky notes all over it that I think you both might really get into. We've been ordering porn for the store for years at this point. Like, I know, the amount that I've tried to like, hey, do you know we have this? Do you know that you can buy it from me and not feel uncomfortable even though I'm a girl in this yeah. store? Do you know how much I love this weird crap? Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, if it's got Batman on it, apparently no one has a game. <laughs> well, this will be really yeah. interesting because uh, as of this recording, it's selling for up to $90 on eBay. Oh, this had a huge print run. Yeah. That's um, the thing. is, it's. I don't think it's sustainable. Everybody no. has it. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I, I can't imagine that uh, anything but the, and here's another thing, the galley that they sent out. They sent out a wordless copy of this. I didn't get it. We didn't get it. No. A bunch of retailers did get it. The dick was in it. Mm-hmm. The dick was in the PDF previews that we got. Nobody mentioned it until the actual physical copy. Why didn't came I out. get a PDF of it? It was probably in the Facebook group or something. Oh. And I don't I don't I don't think I even read it cuz I, I I wasn't excited about this book. I skimmed through most previews that they most sent previews. us. It just seems weird to like I'd like to know what the outside factor was here cuz DC didn't leverage this in the way that they try to leverage other things. I don't blame DC for it at all. No, no, no. I just, I wonder, like, who was it that said, hey, there's a Batman dick, and how did that spread virally? Because it wasn't through any of the normal channels that everybody tries to get stuff like that. It's usually through contact. Well, man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and it seems like a lot of the excitement around the, the nudity coincided with the rumors wherever they're coming from as to whether or not the next run is going to be censored and like supposedly comiXology censored their the digital copies are censored apparently because apple won't let them have nudity on their apps so they just they just took that off the table so that started coming and i had someone coming in and telling me that like oh yeah no they're like they're censoring stuff now the White Knight trade that's supposed to have the uncensored sex scene is now going to be the censored one, and right. so there's so much hearsay going around, and I think that has a lot more to do with it than just the fact that it's people wanting the nudity. It's this I want to stake my yeah. claim on this little piece before it's. I'm just glad it's not the '90s, yeah, right now, Jeff, because uh, I don't think we would want to be doing this at all. If we yeah. were ordering cases of Spawn to sell to speculators, you know? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't for sure. That's not yeah. why I got in. I got into this for the exact opposite reason years ago. Yeah. Um, I give it a six point five because I think the art is pretty gorgeous, and I think the writing is not super good. But I think that the story will make sense when it's all done, and I will absolutely read all of it. But yeah, I'm the whole the whole thing frustrates me quite a bit as the person who places the orders. I'll give it a seven. Oh man, I think I'll give it a. 
I'll give it a six for the art. I mean, then I don't know. The four Bruce Wang shots. I don't know. My favorite thing in it actually was actually Dead Man. Yeah. The way he draws Dead Man, that he looks like just a skinned floating dude. That was really cool. But that's sad that, I mean, he was in like, what, three panels? Or he's, yeah, Not even he a supporting a character, yeah. really. And that's my favorite thing. I support putting dicks and stuff. Put dicks and stuff. But I just like, can well, we yeah, tamper but it's not, our response to shit? But yeah, it's not, a, no pun intended, it's not a big deal. Um, that's not the comic. <laughs> what? That's the speculators. Yeah. Right, I know. And yeah. Speculators yeah. just bum me out. Yeah. yeah. And it's not gratuitous. I mean, he's. No. If I was a rich dude that was Batman, I'd wander around in my cave and my manor naked too. My neighbor saw me <laughs> naked yesterday morning. I already around my house naked <laughs> yeah. on the regular anyway. Yeah. And yeah. you live in like an old folks' neighborhood. Yeah, an old woman getting into her car saw me naked yesterday morning <laughs> making coffee. It was pretty good. Awesome. Uh, did you guys catch the the face in the steam? Yes, I thought I thought it was in the tunnel. No, well, yeah. I don't see a face. Squint or something. It is. Oh, it there's is kind of nice. face. The, the art's face gorgeous. Now. Like is I've read. I've read, uh, you know, a lot of this guy's stuff. He's good. So now we come to the part of the podcast that uh, is a little more freeform than usual. We'll give it a six, by the way. Freeform. Oh, oh give it a sorry. Six. It's fine. It's fine. I, I, <laughs> I move over, like, I move beyond Django's grade on things all the time at this point. It's just a bit. Um, <laughs> I mean that in a concessionatory Whoa, you're Consi- making up words. I mean dude. that conciliatory? A, uh, conciliatory. Yeah, can consensual way that consensually um, conciliatory. Black badge number two by Matt Kent, Tyler Jenkins. <laughs> we we are in a three minute round because there were so many books this go? week and it's issue one hundred. So I every book's gonna get a three minute conversation. I really liked this book. It's it's super like a Wes Anderson comic book. Um, I liked it. Every page I was reading it, I thought, I wish I was reading Grass Kings, because it's the same writer and artist of that. And I like the characters, and I like the conceit of the story, but at this point, there's no aspect of it that I like as much as Grass Kings. And not that everyone should be compared to their previous work, but, yeah. It's a lot fluffier than Grass Kings. It's, yeah. it's, um, it's got a weird tone. I think this issue, the first one I had trouble reading it because I wanted more Grass Kings because that's been one of my favorite books in forever and I love this team and so it was awkward with the first one so this one I feel like I was finally able to recognize as its own mm-hmm. book and I, I like the Wes Anderson description like I think it's you gotta just put that out of your head and I really like that the the colors are so much more saturated it helps a bit to at least for me in uh, in separating the two the two books, but I, I'm liking this a lot. What about you, boys? Three minutes. I like that we got the uh, the second team. Yeah. I like, I like those guys mm-hmm. a lot. I like the kind of the train heist aspect of things. Um, I do not like the Wes Anderson vibe. Yeah. I, I, it takes a lot for me to not get mad watching a Wes Anderson movie, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> this is not helping. And I, I. I respect that. As I was reading this, I, my big thought was like, I wonder what Django's thinking of this. This Not is Wes that, like, Anderson, but without the fucking symmetry. Or, There's no goddamn and symmetry. And without in the here. soundtrack, but yeah. like it, there is a. It's like strongly <laughs> Wes Anderson, which I think is really interesting to be able to capture that in a comic book. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And you know, it's a very polarizing thing. You either love it or you don't. I right. love Wes Anderson. I also it's like a, him very much. A wonderful place in my heart, and but I don't fault anybody who doesn't love him. Yeah. 
I do love him also. I love him. I like that dog one a lot. Favorite Wes Anderson movie? Uh, uh, Royal Tenenbaums. Me too. No question. Just the best. Mine's it's Black Badge. It's my favorite movie. It's Is it really? Wait, mm-hmm. what'd you say? Royal Tenenbaums. Oh, okay. Yeah. What's your second favorite? Oh. Uh, oh, that's harder. <laughs> uh, it is harder. Probably Life Aquatic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Grand Budapest Hotel is number two for me. Mm. Oh, Moonrise Kingdom might be number is two. Is also oh, really I good. I, I, yeah, that, they're, they're good. Yeah. Roman, what did you think of that? Um, what was Wes Anderson film that was the animated one with the dog? Not the dog. Fantastic Mr. Fox. I or Isle of Dogs was the new the one. The one with George Clooney, and they, it was the animated thing, and they had to like have an adventure. They had to escape from the Fantastic war. Fantastic Mr. Mr. Fox. Fox. Was that? Yeah. Okay. That's Isle of Dogs for me. Okay, well. Did you see that one? I, oh, I love yeah, that I haven't seen that one. The Fantastic one I Mr. Fox. I haven't gotten to see it yet. I haven't oh. seen it yet. Yeah, okay, so that. that was that moment. That'd be sort of a uh, Wes Anderson moment. I didn't moment. Get to talk about it. <laughs> yep, that's, we got three minutes each, so people got to be conservative. Well, that wasn't my talking. That was you asking me a question. <laughs> all right, well, don't blame me. Sucker. There's I didn't rules. Like it. You got to be able to speak all right, up. All right, all right. I didn't like it. For some reason, Django said. Okay. <laughs> uh, Wildstorm, number 17. This oh, is uh, yeah. the 17th issue of the Warren Ellis. Epic. It's uh, it is a pretty pretty comic. It opens with um, the guy who's been I don't know any of these characters. Lynch. Names. Lynch uh, is uh, has been going around talking to all these uh, people who are in this program, and he meets up with a guy who can control the weather. He's just this native dude living out in the middle of nowhere, and he he's up in the clouds. And Lynch Lynch says something like, uh, "What does he say?" Uh, uh, looking real strong up there. And the guy says, nobody in town was in the mood for a big storm tonight, so I took care of it. And that's fucking rad. Yeah. Like, just knowing the mood of the town and being like, nah, these guys don't need a rainstorm. Um, so well, Lynch, it's his reservation, too. It's yeah. like, it's a tight-knit community that yeah. he gets to just be like, yeah, we're not having rain tonight. Yeah, we can do that, do that later. Um, and I like the uh, I liked the bit where the the short guy, I can't remember his name either, um, but the short alien is having a hard time with technology. I really enjoyed that. And the uh, at, at the end, uh, there's a there's an appearance of guys that are going to be in the next issue, and it's Apollo and Midnighter. And uh, I don't love those guys like a lot of people do, but I saw that and I was like, oh fuck yeah! It's like now we're cooking with gas. Yeah, in this universe, you're yeah. probably going to love them. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, so yeah, I. I really liked it. Yeah, I I loved it. It's this is one of my favorite books, and it's the last little while. It's been feeling a little slow with this. Like every issue, Lynch going and meeting up with one of the parents of one of the Gen thirteen kids, and oh, interacting. Holy shit, is that what this is? Yeah. So I'm really cu- like. So this issue, it finally felt like, okay, we're wrapping up this this step-by-step. And I'm like, man, is Gen 13 going to get introduced in the last little bit of this run? That's a lot to fit in with all this other stuff. Well, there's that, still a whole other series that's supposed to come out of this. Yeah, and I was like, okay, is that going to be the follow-up? So probably Gen 13 is going to be the follow-up, which I'm really excited Dude, about. Yeah. The follow-up to that. I love this book, and I love, like... So I haven't read any of the original Wildstorm stuff, mm-hmm. but my husband loves all of it. So I've been hearing about it for so many years. So I like half know all these characters. And so people will pop up and I don't have so much a detachment to them, but I know who they're... It, 
It's such a cool reimagining of something so quintessentially 90s and 90s cheese. And yeah. I, I, God, it's just so good. And this issue, like, really felt like the buildup for the last, like, five issues or whatever. Yeah. It was totally worth it, on track for something cool. I'm excited. Uh, I'd give it a, I'd give it an eight and a half. Yeah, I'd say eight and a half too. I don't think there's been a single issue that I would give under an eight yeah. for that whole series so far. I just realized while you were talking that uh, this that's not the first time Warren Ellis has had his hands in the Wildstorm universe because he did Stormwatch, which turned into the Authority. Oh yeah. And all of that was I mean, that's it's a different version of this universe, but I I'd forgotten that he's pretty comfortable here. So I didn't read it. Oh, What's I was book? I was pointing at you to have you pick out the next book. Oh, let's do Ice Cream Man. I, I oh, let me get it out of my backpack. Backpack, get get your ice cream. Uh, get man. out of my butt. Oh. Ew. <laughs> Fluidy butt. <laughs> ice cream butt. <laughs> ice cream butt. Um, this is another fantastic issue. Uh, <clears throat> we find out more about the ice cream man and whatever the name of the cowboy is. Um, and in the context of this, the story of this little girl whose best friend died of cancer, and but she still talks to her best friend because um, she thinks she's still there in a way. Her parents can't deal with it. Is this was beautiful and spooky and sad? And what are you looking at? Oh well, she just she ends up in the ice cream man's creepy shack cabin. in the woods. <laughs> and uh, is that where like issue one was around as well with the I Wolfman think, and stuff? I think that the, well, is issue it? one had the spider. Right, right. Yeah. But didn't also have oh, the it wolf had a wolfman. Man? Yeah. There's uh, a spider in a jar yeah. in his cabin, and I think it's the same same spider. I don't know yeah. who he has skinned alive, but that that potato peeler scene is uh, yikes. I love how like densely woven all of these issues are for this series, and totally separate from right. each other at the same time. It's like what it's like what's going on with Batman. I don't know if it's just because I finished listening to reading the dark tower but i love the dynamic between this ice cream man and this cowboy of Caleb. just like mm. these Caleb, two yeah. kind of the embodiment of chaos and the embodiment of the attempt to provide order yeah. and they are universally at odds with one another and not hyper combative with one another but they're more like learning to live with each other while reining the other one in yeah kind of putting each other in check as they yeah as they mess with and and, and not there's no punching usually. No. Um, did you you read this one? Yeah. Did what did you think of the music that he's blowing into her ear? Uh, let me look at it. I forget. That was, that was, oh, um, I like that idea. He's yeah, the bad music. Is that tied back to the issue with like the rock star guy? Because I didn't read that one. Maybe I took it more as uh, just kind of like the music on an ice cream truck. Is a little bit intoxicating evil and nostalgic, and, yeah. and it has an effect on you. Yeah, yeah, that's that. That's where I went with it, but it, it could tie back to that Buddy Holly issue. I love the art, mm. like even more than the writing. Yeah, yeah, the art. I mean, when his fingers turn into the the spider like legs, kind of that that he on the skin person's legs. Like, oh, jeez, <laughs> that's so awful. I would give this one probably an eight. I think I'd go eight point five. I, I really like every issue of this series and it makes me feel gross this one made me feel more sad than like gross but i i liked it make me feel comics make I'd, me I'd, feel i give this one eight i love 
the whichever cover this is with the swings on it. Yeah, it's very yeah. evocative. Yeah, I think that's uh, Gabriel Fabio Moon. That's one of the oh. Day Tripper twins. Oh yeah, all three of the covers. Day Twin Purse. Colette, Colette what's yours? Book? Oh, what's a book, book that you're talking about? <laughs> book. We're, we're calling this uh, this round the bookshop. We just there's a lot of books. We talked about it. I guess we didn't make it clear enough. Um, I I'll talk about um, uh, Skyward number six. Um, I I really like this book. There's there's nothing about it that I as I'm reading it I'm inherently like man the dialogue in this is so good or the art is so different and grabs me but it's just a a interesting story with good characters that is going places i'm not expecting and is fun to read i love the introduction of like the role bugs play in this yeah reality. i think that is so fucking cool they all become huge because there's yeah. no gravity and because their life cycles are so much shorter than humans they evolve way quicker um i think that's amazing I think that the art is like some of my favorite art in comic books right now. And Roman, I don't know if you noticed, but as I was reading Immortal Hulk this week, I was like, fuck, I love this art, but it's a fill-in artist, and it's beautiful, and it's this guy. Um, oh, so, it was? Yeah, this artist oh. did the art for Immortal Hulk this week, and I loved both of them. Like, So Lee Garbett is doing amazing. I love hair. I love their faces. Everybody's beautiful. The nature scenes are great. But yeah, I, I just I love how courageous this protagonist is i forget her name but like she just leaps out of the train at the end and is going to face these bugs and i, I think it's super cool it's a coming of age story where it's not heavy-handed like she is naive and headstrong but also led by her her compassion more than anything but it, you're not... right it doesn't have that feeling of like here's a teen coming of age story yeah and like so often I feel like I ahead of time know the lessons that they're planning on learning and it just doesn't it just feels like a retread or whereas this it's written in a way that you're very much co-piloting things with her and it's not that you're just exploring emotional issues you're exploring this world as the you know that is a byproduct of what's happened to the gravitational field and, and society's evolved with it yeah, yeah the fact that she's it's not only just that she's from the city and now we're venturing out into the country, but even within the city that she was of a certain class, so she's only been in right. one stratus of the city, and then we start to see the rich neighborhoods and, and the poorer areas and all that. It's The thing that gets me with this is that each issue has usually like two big reveals of how the world has changed because gravity doesn't work anymore. And this one has the train where you load in sideways and then because they're going so fast, the centrifugal force lets you walk around it mm -hmm. like it, like it's normal. And then right at the end of almost every single issue, you meet some, some danger from the anti-gravity thing, uh, like the big bubble of water or these bugs. Right. And you're introduced to it and then bang, they're going to run out and deal with it, but it leaves you with that cliffhanger. And it's like the structure of this is so compelling. So well-paced, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with what you said. I give that one an 8.5. I love that book. I'll give it an 8. I love that book. Yeah. And I only give things 8s tonight, I guess. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Um, I'd give it I'd an, give an eight, 8 also. I really yeah. liked it. I'd, the Ocho! The Ocho it's, uh, it's a reliable book, it's which is super not something you can say about a lot of even some good books. Strong, reliable out, pages. Um, Thick, reliable. <laughs> I'm a bell. 
Avengers number eight, Jason Aaron. David Marquez, this is my favorite issue of this series so far, for sure. Uh, I love Jason Aaron. Just tip top of the world. Love him. Love him as much as I can love a writer. Um, was not sold on the Ed McGinnis art. I really like David Marquez, and I think that this guy's art really was much more suited for this book than uh, the Ed McGinnis stuff. And we've got uh, Black Panther being voted to be the leader of the Avengers. We got Captain uh, Marvel sort of talking to Tony Stark and dealing with some of the emotional uh, fallout of Civil War II, which really changed her on her axis. Uh, pun? Eh? Um, yeah, I just like, I really like, dude, this was mostly like a hangout issue. And I really like those issues. We're in the bottom of the sea and there's whales floating around and. I really liked it. Roman, did, what did you think of this one? <clears throat> I really like this one, too, and I do like <laughs> this artist. Sorry, I'm full of pizza. Um, and I do like this art. more. I like McGinnis, but I like this even more. It's more consistent, I think. The only thing I didn't, actually, the only thing I didn't like is I'm not sold on this whole Avengers headquartered at the North Pole thing. That just seems kind of I love the idea of them in a celestial <laughs> But in a celestial, body. that's yeah. really cool. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, I don't think we have to go three minutes if you're done. No, I mean, that's... I don't know if anybody else read it or has other thoughts, but... I didn't have time today. Yeah. It's waiting on my, my table. This is like... Jason Aaron falls under two categories. They're either books that I love to death or books that I, like, wish I liked more. And uh, that's what Avengers has been largely for this run. It is, like... He's appealing to everybody, which I like his more intricate personal work. But... Uh, He's got good voices for characters, and he, everybody's doing it. Everyone's got a sort of different emotional place that they're coming from in this book, and I, I really, I like that, and I also like some of the bigger ideas he's playing with. It is fun that this is his big, <clears throat> like Celestials, Origin of the Marvel Universe. Next issue is the Avengers versus Namor. I mean, it's yeah. fun seeing that great big, ho ha Marvel action yeah. stuff. Are you feeding Barry as well? Because he loves pizza. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> no. So I have no pizza. I'm just torturing him. The end of this issue has Namor, Namor, Roman backwards, yeah. mad that uh, we're messing with some sea animals, right? And Aquaman's always mad about that, also. And I just wonder, like, if some sort of space thing every once in a while messed with one cow, would we get that pissed at him? Because these guys declare full on war. A lot. A lot. Yeah, but we don't take care of most of our animals on the a surface dwellers as it is. Like maybe. Yeah, but do they really, like, those those fish can breathe underwater. They don't need an animal to tell them how to do that. Well, we have sort of fucked the oceans. Yeah. Yeah. And I would, I, I could, I could, I could get behind it from that perspective. I think that's what they're coming from, right? I don't know. There's a bunch of fish people where, like, we were doing something bad. That's like, I, I gotta be honest. Aquaman and Namor, I do totally stop caring about both those characters because, like, I don't necessarily care about the political relationships between the underwater people and the above-water people, mm -hmm. and I don't want that to be super close-minded, but, like, Dude. it's just, it's so, like, I don't know, like, they're pissed sometimes, or they're not pissed sometimes, and it's like, There's you like come up, fish down there. You <laughs> come, come up here and help us That's figure out crazy. some rules. I don't know, can we do this without declaring war on one another? Like, let's create a way for this to all balance out. I dig it. I read a comic called. Did you read Dick Tracy Roman? Because that's what I really, I really, really, really oh, want to hear. Okay. We're gonna get to Roman. I just want to make Dick. sure Roman. 
Tracy. Uh, Edge of Spider-Geddon number three mm-hmm. is uh, Peter Parker and his Uncle Ben, and they're both superheroes. It's by Jason Latour is the guy that wrote it. And uh, I really like the art. I really like the story. And I really like the uh, art. And I really like the story. I did too. I I wasn't going to read oh, this, right. but but when I saw it was Jason. <laughs> Thank La- God. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> when I saw it was Jason Latour. Yeah, I, I read it and it was fun. And yeah, yeah, the art was surprisingly good. I really liked the relationship between this Ben and Peter. It was a little bit like Dick and Batman yeah. in in this issue fifty five, where they're kind of yeah. joking around, and and it's definitely a dad and a kid kind of thing. And uh, the I thought that the moral was pretty good, and I liked that uh, they they were both. Not, not real good at being real good. Yeah, you know, but they're they're just kind of muddling through being superheroes, and uh, it it felt like kind of an allegory for Uncle Ben muddling through being Peter's father figure. Yeah, and yeah, and just the point was seeing Peter and Ben being able to. It's basically what if Ben had lived. Yeah, and just look at the relationship, and that was really sweet. Yeah, I I really. Approve. Yeah, this is my favorite issue at Edge of Spider Geddon so far. I really like the art in it, but I, I didn't read it yet. <coughs> I think you'd probably dig it. Yeah. Uh, I'd give that one a seven and a half. Mm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break the eight. Mm. Um, I, 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 yeah, that sounds pretty good to me. Seven and a half. Roman, can you tell me about Dick Tracy? Because I want to hear about it. Well, in the 80s, Warren Beatty was in this movie. Oh. Um. <laughs> I saw the movie. I saw the movie. Yeah? Did you recognize Madonna? Did you I recognize Al Pacino? Did you young recognize to... Dustin Hoffman? I liked the yellow coat. Yeah. God, I forgot Al Pacino was in it. Um, <laughs> I was really excited for this because I thought that Mike Allred was doing the interior art. Too. Everybody we did. All. Yeah, everybody did. Yeah. Well, and that's perfect. I mean, this cover, perfect Dick Tracy, perfect for Dick Tracy's crazy, gross villains. Um, but in reality, it was our new best friend, Rich Tommaso. <laughs> which was perfectly acceptable. His, he, that's what he does. His style is is perfectly acceptable you, for Dick like Tracy. Two pages in, and you're like, I uh, can't relate. I don't like this. And then like four pages in, you're like, All right, I'm gonna finish this comic. It looks like okay. newspaper comic art. You know? yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it does. works. It works really well with this story, I think. And I really like. Isn't Dick Tracy? He he predated Batman's Rogues Gallery, right? Uh, Dick Tracy was what 1931, I think, yeah. is when he started. So yeah, yeah. I've always yeah his. Uh, his villains kind of inspired Batman's villains, but this was a this was a good setup issue. What did you think of how violent Dick Tracy was? It it kind of turned me off that he's like, oh, fuck y'all, I'm gonna shoot all you bad guys with a Tommy gun. I was wondering about that because I was trying to remember was Dick Tracy always this like ultra like I realized after reading I was like wow so Dick Tracy's like a far right jerk. <laughs> yeah, but is that like. That's probably true to the character. Probably. I, don't I just don't remember would... that violence before in the comic strips or movies or yeah, and maybe serials. <laughs> maybe it just doesn't, tra- like, maybe it's hard to translate that amount of violence and not have it feel a little bit, um, like, a little close these days. Mm, yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. My dad was really into Pulps and D- Dick Tracy, so he showed me this video when I was really young. And I remember thinking that the watch was cool mm-hmm. and that the Rose Gallery was almost superhero-esque. Yeah, yeah. Like, they were almost bad guys that could fit in a superhero comic, which this was not. 
They didn't have powers. They were just ugly as shit. Yeah. Like, every one of them is super ugly and has a name to match. Yeah. Um, what did you think of the the mashup of technology and time? Like, there's cell phones and also Tommy guns. That was fine. I mean, yeah. I, I wasn't jarred by it. I was just like, oh, okay, they're doing that. Cool. I mean, I, I like Tommy guns, so. <laughs> I, I felt the same way. I heard some people complain about that today, and I was like, really? no, doesn't, uh, that doesn't bother me at all. I, I don't mind if they if they mix this stuff. Yeah, isn't it funny? It bothers me more, like, and say necessarily Marvel has to like update Peter Parker's origins so that yeah. when he's at the science lab experiment, people have kids have cell phones, and that always bugs me a little bit because of my age. I'm like, no, he became Spider Man in like 1964. The 60s. <laughs> yeah, not in the in the era of cell phones. But give it. I'll give it a seven. Me too. Nice. Yeah. Colette. Hey. Oliver Twist. Olivia. Olivia. Olivia Twist. My whole family was in the read Oliver that. the Twist musical. Uh, my dad built the set. My whole family was in it. I refused to do any stage acting growing up, so I used to sit uh, and fall asleep in the front row and always wake up when Bill Sykes uh, shot people. Oh. Spoilers for Oliver Twist. <laughs> um, what do you think of Olivia Twist? Uh, I liked it. I um, It wasn't... I... I liked that it was a future, it was set, I can't talk, <laughs> a futuristic book, um, the technology's weird, the whole world is different, it's not just a, let's make Oliver Twist a girl, um, it, it didn't really grab me as much as I had hoped, having, knowing the story, it didn't have enough of a a twist. Ah. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> that was good. <laughs> oh really god. Get me excited to read the rest of it, but I like the art. I thought it was is interesting if it's a story that you really like, then it's going to be a fun reimagining of it. Um, you know, I will read anything that Burger but Books puts out, so I will continue reading it, but it it wasn't my favorite, but it was definitely not something I was disappointed I read. I'll try any of these cool. burger books. Um, I think that this is as good as a future version of Oliver Twist with a girl in the lead as you can have. Yeah. And I don't think that that's super good. I was just, just like, why? But yeah. that's fine. I mean, like, there's lots of things that I like that are sort of like, why does this exist? But, like, this is sort of, like, unless they're going to do something very different with it, like, just read Oliver Twist. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe not. I like Oliver Twist a lot, is my thing. I only really know the police serve may have some more. Mm. And the, this is the one with Fagin in it, right? Uh -huh. Yeah. That's all I know about it. It's awesome. Is it? It is. All right. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'll keep reading it. It just seemed like a, like kind of an easy thing. And the burger books haven't been easy books. And this is like, oh, let's take yeah. these two things, let's mash them up, and uh, go. That's what I mean by, like, why. Like, it, it feels yeah. easy. It's just sort yeah. of like, yeah, we could do Oliver Twist with a girl in the future, but, like, why do that yeah. unless you've got something new or challenging? But for a why book, I still felt like it was better done yeah. than yeah. a lot of for why sure. books that I pick up. Yeah. And well, Karen Berger knows her shit. And yeah. and like I was saying, there's lots of why books out there that I like that don't pass the test of why they exist. So for sure, like if just like a you know, 
if any aspect of that intrigues you, like that's enough of a why. But yeah. from a story perspective, yeah. I am a little confused. And I'm, I'm interested to learn the world more because I think that they, the little bits that we were given about how the world is structured make really it well seem like it's going to be a cool world to explore even if you know the story backwards and forwards. And maybe that's enough of a why. I didn't read it, but yeah. like I love just a well-conceptualized, futurized world that we can explore. When you say cool world... <laughs> I'm thinking Brad Pitt and okay. cartoons. Yeah, okay. of course. That's what I thought. I don't yeah. get that reference. Oh, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> cool runnings? <laughs> cool world. This oh. is about the Jamaican bobsled team? No. no you, need, you need to find some old issues. There's ads for them. That's for cool yep. world. All over. All issues. Mm -hmm. What do you got, buddy? I don't know. I don't really have anything else. Did you read this? I did read that. The Amazing Spider-Man annual I thought was uh, pretty good. I was hoping it was going to be better. I love story. This is Saladin Ahmed wrote this, which is a big, cool part. Gary Brown did Art and Lee Luridge, who I enjoy a lot. But I guess this did a thing. This is a flashback story to when Spider-Man had the alien symbiote not long after he had gotten it, and it's the stories of the symbiote waking him up at night to go and do stuff while he was unconscious. And I really... go oh, Barry, you're so cute over there getting rocked by Roman. Um, I, getting rocked? Getting... Ooh, his world <laughs> rocked. Uh, I love the idea of that story, and I really like the Donny Cates Venom stuff, but we're really, like, humanizing the symbiote and Ooh. making it have human emotions and have respect for Peter and value lessons that it's learning. And I don't care about, I, I don't like that as much. I yeah. still love it because it's a great story. And I love that Dan, Donny Case has been like, always surprises me, but I really like Venom when he's scary and sadistic and Colette's baby is pushing things around. Oh God, you just leaned and it shifted your whole baby. <laughs> oh god I'm touching it I'm touching the baby I'm touching the baby I felt it move ew in My a good body's way gross. no bodies are gross but there's a fifth person here who's soaking up our social energy oh I felt it do a thing again ew it's like a heartbeat inside your stomach here's the hiccups Oh, he totally, oh, oh my God. Dude, hey, your baby just moved some shit around. Just so you know, you had your hand on his butt that whole time. That was quite the yep. butt. I yeah. can't wait to meet that butt wow. in person. That was our butts. first guest star baby. Well, no, baby was on several months Thanks. ago. Oh, that's true, yeah. Baby yeah, technically, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, my, my lovely little xenomorph announced <laughs> to the comic world. But yeah, Spider-Man, the amazing Spider-Man <laughs> annual, um, was, it was pretty good. It wasn't as good as I'd hoped. The best part about it is this this cover. What do you think, Roman? It is an awesome cover. Um, I kind of agree with you. I love revisiting that era of Spider-Man because I'd forgotten, actually, that when he first had the suit, it was taking him, while Peter was asleep, it yeah. was taking him out at night adventuring and just keeping him unconscious while it pretended to be Spider-Man. I was hoping it was going to be doing worse shit than it was doing. Yeah, that's what I was hoping. And and yeah, I don't like making the the symbiote sympathetic. Mm -hmm. I wanted to see just have it being like a jealous, possessive type of lover and obsessed with Peter and then stop there. I don't want it to like learn and grow and yeah. develop as a character. And have like maybe some sadistic tendencies. I, yeah. I like that. I like yeah. that Spider-Man was driven to be worse when he had it on. And I like that Eddie Brock is being pushed towards that. So 
But I think this fits the overall trend of what they're doing with Venom. It does. And I really enjoy that story, but it's always going to be my second favorite Venom. Hmm. Yeah. So, What do you guys give it? Uh, I give it a seven. I'll give it a six. I only have one more that I really want to talk about. Yeah. It's uh, Burnout's number one by uh, Culver. Uh, Dennis Culver. Do they? No. Huh? It's not Colleen Coover. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, no. Dennis Culver <laughs> with art by Jeffo. G-E-O-F-F-O. <laughs> hey, buddy. Nothing. <laughs> A book about stoners, not me. Uh... So this looks like a boom comic. It's got like that all-ages boom look to it. It's about uh, kind of a, a nerdy kid who is, is, I think he's new to the school or not doesn't really fit in at the school, and he uh, is, is scared of the burnouts, like the heavy metal burnout kids, because they beat people up all the time. And... He begs his parents to be allowed to go to a party. He goes to this party, and the burnouts are there, and so is this girl that he likes, and she, I think she gives him some weed or a beer, and he gets a little bit high or drunk, and he starts seeing aliens coming out of people and controlling people. Django, I need to pause for a second. I'm very concerned that you don't know the difference between weed and beer. Oh, I know the difference. <laughs> I just don't remember which one it was. The point. I know the difference because I know one, <laughs> not the other at all. Uh, the point was that the burnouts get altered in order to <laughs> see aliens so that they can fight them all. <laughs> go on, baby, go on. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, give me a hit of that vape. <laughs> Did you burn out, Django? I burned out, man. Uh, I don't know. <coughs> I just like the idea that... That was vapor. It was mango water juice. <laughs> I just like the idea that the burnouts that you're scared of because they beat up old ladies are actually the good guys, and they're beating up the aliens inside of the old ladies. And uh, when the kid gets home, he's still a little bit high, and he, he notices that his parents have aliens inside of them. Um, this is this is not a challenging comic, but I really enjoyed it. The art doesn't seem too challenging, but I think they're onto some fucking truths there, my dude. <laughs> Keep telling truths. <laughs> you replace aliens with lizards, then yeah. yeah. <laughs> Does anybody else have a thing? Seven and a half. Um, Captain America Annual number one. Uh, perfectly acceptable comic book the interesting thing it's buck and cap jeez oh, bucky and captain america they're in world I war think, ii they're, i think he goes by buck bucky sure um they're on a rescue mission behind nazi lines um and they're rescuing these three escaped pow prisoners um two women and a man the man is gay uh but they don't it's nice that they don't do the expected thing cap doesn't make a big speech about acceptance of everybody blah 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 the they don't do anything where like they introduce that there was two guys, but one of them was right. gay. Yeah, yeah, they don't do that. <laughs> they, they don't do that. Just, the character eventually kind of lets it out, um, and he even a couple times makes like little 
little like kind of flirtatious m- remarks to Cat Merrick about how handsome Cap is, and Cap uh, just ig- ignores it. All of us would. No, yeah, of course, I think. of course. <laughs> but it was nice that it just didn't do the expected things. It was a nice little story. And it's not Tanahasi Coast. It's a different writer. I think that it's awesome. They've got somebody it's else. It's Teeny doing it. Howard, who I have n- I've n- never heard that name before. Hmm. You guys know who Teeny Howard have. is? I've yeah. heard the name, but I don't know yeah. what from. I have this phone. And Chris Sprouse and Ron Lim on the artwork. Everybody, uh, Ron Lim. Yeah, which I didn't. He's I mean, just been I, doing I really shitty variant covers lately. But it's with Ron Lim though. The main. So like they're Sprouse. alternating. Teeny Howard sure. did Assassinistas, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, uh, some Trolls oh. comics, some WWE comics. So firmly in the boom universe. Yeah, so yeah. I read. Saying. I read Assassinistas. Some Rick and Morty. So. Hmm. Uh, what do you give that, Roman? I would give it a. I'll give it a five. Nice. Guys, let's close up the pizza box. Let's close up the pizza box. Let's open a refreshing Murphy's apple juice. Roman, take the final piece of pizza. Okay, yay. Listen to how Roman I'm, I'm eating eats for, his pizza while I drink my I'm, I'm, I'm eating Murphy's for apple juice. So my favorite thing about <laughs> Murphy's apple juice is that they brew every batch of AJ with a little bit of cinnamon in it. And I think that's great. It says here on the read sheet that they do use a full... S- one full stick of cinnamon and boiling apple water when they brew it. What do you favorite thing about do? I gotta say my favorite thing is still the shape of the bottle. Yes. It's sexy, but not obscene. <laughs> no, absolutely not. And uh, it, even though if you looked at it from the wrong perspective, you would think that it was just full of piss, it's obviously apple juice. Thank and you. I, I don't know what it is. Thank you, Marshall's Apple Juice, for a bottle that can be so Murphy's. multiversatile. Murphy's. Marshall. Marshall. What's your favorite thing about Murphy's Marshes. apple juice? Matt Murphy's. It really Murphy's. tastes like apples. I like with that some cinnamon. Too. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's, it's like a pie in a bottle. It is. But you gonna get pied with it. <laughs> what do you like about Murphy's? I don't like it. Berry. Oh, I love it. Oh, oh. Berry. <laughs> it's because all you eat is Marshall's apple juice and Cheez Its. <laughs> You dumb bear. That was Newberry. Berry, Berry loves Cheez-Its. Yeah, does Newberry like Cheez-Its? Uh, Newberry thinks he likes Cheez-Its, but he hasn't had them yet. Berry is the one who has oh. actually had Cheez-Its, but he, as Cheez-Its you know, because you were there, he was fucked up for two days on those Cheez-Its. Oh, yeah. yeah, he was so stoned. Yeah, oh, was... my, oh, my stomach hurts so bad. Yeah, it was good. He couldn't even watch wrestling the next day because he had spent all Sunday eating Cheez-Its. <laughs> Fucking bear. Um, all right, episode 100, we want to talk about a little something that Rango over here disparagingly referred to as just like what we did on the New Year's podcast, which was entirely different, because on the New Year's podcast, we did our favorite writer and artist of the year. And this is our 100 favorite writers and 100 favorite artists (laughs) from the last year. (laughs) And this is our three favorite writers and artists of all time. Much harder. Much harder, not bound by the last year. If I were to do my top three favorite artists of the last year, it would be an entirely different list. And listen, by the time you hear this podcast, I probably changed my three. I'm so concerned about the artist portion of it because... It's high stakes, Jeff. I know. I am too. It's really hard to figure out. Okay. I've changed my list in the, you know, three hours since I found out I needed to come up with a list. Can I tell you guys like something? 150 My times. list of three favorite artists is nine people long right now, and I don't know what I'm going to do. All of them have the last name of Quietly. No. No, but that's the only one that counts. So, uh, I guess let's start with that one. Favorite artists. I'm going to go with one of mine first, and we can just go around the table and just do a, a quick little thing about okay. our, our thing, because 
I want to know about your favorite writers and artists. I have a perceived list for each of you, and I know it's wrong, so I can't wait. But uh, my favorite artist, and it's the only one that like stands out clearly above and beyond and separate all of them. Like, it's hard for me to say my top three, but I have for sure a top one and then a lower like four or five. But Frank Quitely is absolutely my favorite artist. Um, I would do anything to own original art by Frank Quitely. I've gotten to meet him a couple times. He's like stupid, stupid friendly. Every time I've met him, I've asked him to say the words Flexman Tallow to me. Um, <laughs> I would not do that now. Um, and wish I hadn't then, but he took it pretty well. I'm gonna say that. I'm gonna ask him to say it. So he's he gonna be like, you, "You look different from last time." <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, no, the first time I asked him, I was like, "Hey, like, I just think that your voice sounds like a symphony of like cooing angels." Could you say flex mentality? <laughs> and he said, "Easily done." And he went, flex mentality. And it was like the best thing ever. Oh my god! Uh, I paid to be there. For and that. then like. Two years later, I met him again, and I was like, hey, man, I met you a couple years ago. I asked you to say the words flex mentality to me. I just feel like I got to do it. He's like, yeah, e easy. And then he said flex mentality. Is that all? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> it was uh, pretty. Can I smell your pencil? <laughs> but, yeah, he's, I, I've, I've talked about it a lot, so it's not a huge a huge get for you guys to know that. But, yeah, flex mentality's artist, Frank Quitely, uh, that guy. I think the first thing I read with him in it was Graham Morrison's Batman and Robin number one. Um, mm -hmm. And I just, I can't describe it, but like, I, he's like so, he's like listening to my favorite music. Like when I read his comic books, looking at his pencils and inks, uh, there's no one, it's just like he's talking to me. I don't know how to describe it, but it's like I'm there with him when I'm looking at art and I just want to go hang out with him so fucking bad. I don't, I wouldn't, I don't get like, super starstruck by many people, but I would like that guy totally. I would I would just giddy out and bring my bells and say, hey, Frank, this is my bells. Frank and quietly. <laughs> but they're not named after you. Uh, I I can't I can't give you my favorite artist. Um, but one I, of three though. I'm gonna I'm gonna i I'm gonna say the artist that influenced my love for comics the most. Jim Aparo. Well, it's either... That guy almost made me stop. It's either Sienkiewicz or um, Kyle Baker. It's Kyle Baker. Yeah. Kyle Baker is, uh, like, an amazing cartoonist. Uh, he can tell... He can tell you so much about a character just from one panel of, like, slouchy walking. He's got, like, 15,000 different ways that somebody can walk down the street and slouch at the same time, and you know what they're thinking about, no matter which down. one it is. Um he did. Uh, he did the first comic I ever bought because I wanted to start collecting comics, which was The Shadow number fourteen. Uh, he did a bunch of a bunch of issues of The Shadow. He's done. Uh, he did Plastic Man. He did a big run on Plastic Man. He did a bunch of graphic novels, including Why I Hate Saturn, which was originally published in uh, Rolling Stone, I think. Was it as as like one page stories, and then they got collected into a graphic novel. Um, I Die at Midnight. He, he's he's just done. Amazing things, super silly and cartoony, but at the same time, extremely realistic. Like, you, you, you wouldn't think that you could have someone's mouth be the size of half their head and still think, oh, that's a realistic drawing, but he pulls that off. Uh, he also did a bunch of early issues of Transformers. He did a bunch of early issues of um, Kyle Howard, Baker Howard did, the Duck. Did Transformers? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
yeah, he, he shows up in, in weird places. He doesn't do a whole lot anymore, um, but he's uh, he's the reason that I like comic books. I uh, can't wait to see how fucking different all of our lists are. <laughs> when, when did Kyle Baker do Howard the Duck? I think it was, uh, was there like a four-issue miniseries? There's one that has Howard in the foreground, and he's running, and either like his, his hand running or his, his foot is super big in the front of the frame, and he's got a bunch mm. of people chasing after him. I think that was either a miniseries or the last <clears throat> couple issues of the original series after Steve Gerber left Marvel in a huff. Gerber. I think it was the four-issue miniseries yeah. that, that came out, and he did, he did huh, all of I that. I didn't realize that was him. Yeah. Cool. Roman. Yes. Three favorite artists. What mm. do you got? So it's three favorite artists of comic comic artists all time. All time. One of them. One. What's of one of them? He said three. Well, we'll we're gonna to do three. Two. Okay. Okay. Uh, George Perez, which I always think I mispronounce that. Is it per- Perez? You emphasize one of the syllables more. I definitely am the guy who knows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, for for me, I mean, when I was a kid, he was the first artist. I think other than Kirby, that I recognized his style and was like, that's superheroes. Because when I was a kid, he was doing Avengers, then he did Fantastic Four, the other way around, and then he did T- JLA, and then he did Teen Titans, reintroducing what's your, them. What's your favorite thing of his that he did? And then also, the, how is Sirens going? The detail. See, that's the thing. Ever since this accident, I'm not as much into him, but I didn't finish Sirens. Um, my favorite thing is the detail and the, and he got this from Kirby, the way he draws coruscating energy fields and blast and that kind of stuff. I just love the detail. Is there is there a particular book that's your favorite thing of his? Because that's what I, I want us um, to say, our favorite the ve- work by that person. Uh, my f- probably Avengers, actually. When did he do Avengers? In the 70s. Yeah. Really? Sure. 70s he did and, Dodge, I Yeah. I, I only think of him as a DC artist. Like, I can't imagine very, him no, drawing Yeah, he started out at Marvel. I can picture huh. his Captain Americas and stuff. Yeah. He's, Interesting. I well, think he started at Marvel with, like, Amazing Adventures featuring the Inhumans. Okay. Jingle, what's your favorite Kyle Baker book? I mean, by default, it's got to be The Shadow. Okay. Uh, I don't know that that's his best work. No, no, but no. I just think like your that favorite. That's, like, that's his that rawest use. work that I really relate to. And it seems like that's when he got comfortable doing really fucking weird stuff and just, just going for it. Eventually, he got super computery and slick. And that's still cool, and you still get the same kind of postures and, and crazy facial expressions out of it. But um, I like his pen and ink work. In, in, you know what? He also did Justice Inc., right? Isn't that what it was called? Justice Inc. featuring the Avenger. It was two issues. Mm. He painted it, and then he inked over the painting. Mm. That was really, really interesting. Like, I've never seen, I, I don't think I've seen any other art that's like that. Hey, everybody, episode 100 is going to be very long. I don't think I'm going to edit it because it's going to be long. It's going to be like a three-hour podcast. So we're going long. Tune out here if you just wanted your weekly book reviews and summaries. We're very into that. Now we're just talking about us. I want to know this stuff about my buddies. And if you got stuff to do, pause it. Crack a Murphy's apple juice. Murphy's cider. It's delicious. You can taste the cinnamon stick in every goddamn ship. (laughs) You're listening on your phone. You know, you can just take your phone with you for your bathroom break. Go jog. No one will know. We're great jogging juice. I'm in the bathroom right now. My favorite Frank Quietly thing is uh, Flex Mentallo. Uh, Colette, what what favorite artist for you? Oh man, doesn't have to be the favorite. There's three spots. They're not ranked. Just our three favorites. I I know that after we 
I go home tonight, I'm going to go, oh, fuck, none <laughs> of those are my favorite artists. Mm. I completely forgot about all these people. And I'm going to blame the baby again because yeah, I can. Yeah, that fucking thing. Um, but uh, I would say my first one that I can pull up in my brain, uh, probably Jim Steranko. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Old school. Uh, I just, I love pop art. I love that 60s vibe. And I love seeing how someone could take, so all the big pop artists like Warhol and that whole, Lichtenstein, that whole group were really super influenced by the comics that they read as a kid. Mm -hmm. And then they made all this amazing pop art. And then Steranko turns around and takes all this pop art and all this pop surrealism and turns it back into comics and makes just this super trippy, awesome. He just took a book. Nick Fury would be my favorite. Because how can it not be your favorite Steranko? Sure. example it's but like thing, yeah. took this book that no one was reading so he could do whatever the fuck he wanted with it just went crazy with each issue is such a cool different homage to different artists of the time and doing his own thing and just the way he went about screwing over the comics code with all this suggestive imagery <laughs> and everything i just and it was Love. quick too. Like yeah. he wasn't he wasn't referencing super old stuff. It was pretty modern at the time. Yeah, wasn't yeah. It? Like the Fury. I wish I could remember that. I think it's issue five that's got the melting clocks all over the front oh, of yeah. it. And like Dolly was just doing that stuff mm. when he did that. But and it's it's clearly Dolly inspired, but it's not a copy of yeah. a Dolly painting. Is and, that Shield stuff your favorite? Probably like Stranko thing. Or do you have a favorite? Uh, yeah, it's probably my favorite. There's a lot of, I mean, I'll take, I'll, I'll buy any Steranko piece that I find that I can afford. There's some amazing cover work he did mm -hmm. for some early X-Men stuff and everything that's fantastic. But yeah, that, that Nick Fury stuff, because he totally just was, it was the first shit he was putting out yeah. and he really could kind of do whatever he wanted because... Marvel didn't care about that book. They were about to cancel it. And he Do was... you remember just recently? I only just remembered it. Um, what? I don't remember who it was or what the conversation was, but you and I were in the store recently, and we were talking about the fact that you're pregnant, and like I went into like a character bit of being your baby, and like the baby was mad at you, but there was a customer standing next to us, and they were like, uh, Colette, I think your body is beautiful right now. They were like, don't oh, say yeah, that, yeah, Jeff. Yeah. Colette, your body is beautiful right now. Because <laughs> yeah. they thought that when I was being the baby, criticizing the home that was being housed to me, they thought that I was being me, criticizing Colette's body, and it was this, like... And they had just missed me talking about how, like, everything that's wrong with me right now and everything that was... <laughs> it I was love you, baby, so... but... Fuck you fucked it was me over. So fucking awkward. Because I was just like, I'm not gonna jump into the mode of like, no, I'm totally on Colette's side and I think she's the best like I'm not but it does suck that you think that I was just overtly ridiculing Colette's pregnancy. And the amount of commentary and judgment that I get on a daily basis when I'm out of the house and from people Customers coming in upset that I'm not more excited to talk about how excited I am to have a baby and how, what a miracle it is and all this stuff. Like, you can't please These anybody hands. when you're pregnant. Yeah. Um, it was just this awesome, just like, like, oh, God, this is all of a sudden very uncomfortable and yeah. I, sh I should talk about this with you, not around other people. Yeah, and I was just like, 
shut up, this is one of the few genuine <laughs> yeah. interactions I've had on a daily basis. Don't. He's not going to lie to me about my belly. Um, Jeff's okay. more excited about my baby than I am. <laughs> I really like the baby. I really like babies. So now we're into the second tier of artists, and there's a lot of tough stuff for me here. Um, like, do you go with Nick Patera? Patara? Do you go with uh, Jeff Darrow? So there's a Nick Patera, Nick Patera and Chris Burnham tier. And I want to include them, but I honestly haven't been as impressed with their output of the last, like, two years. They both well, haven't done that much. They're, like, students of... Quietly. Quietly. And you can't have all quietly people. Yeah. Here. So I do think that I want to have, like, I have sort of, like, Jim Lee, Eric Larson, because I love their 90s superhero stuff. But I think that who does that better, personally for me, is Tony Daniels. Like, that he really does embody me getting into comics as an adult. He does superhero comics, very muscular and big and clenched jaws in the way that I like Jim Lee and Eric Larson. Um, but if, like, if I want a superhero artist, I, I really like Tony Daniels. And I would say his, like, particularly Batman R.I.P. is the mm -hmm. book that I would point to that is so good, but like at any point that he was doing stuff with Morrison and I'm so happy he's doing stuff with uh, Tom King because I, like I, it's just so sleek and sexy and muscular and big superhero. I don't know. That's, that's a, that's a good, uh, he's a good artist. He's a great artist and he takes that Jim Lee, Eric Larson spot for me, which is yeah. I wanted something that like it does remind me of being a child and appreciating comic books. He's your Fast and the Furious. He's my Fast and the Furious, which yeah. is in my top five movies of all times. Yeah. So and, and big and loud. Oh yeah. And Frank Quietly is not big and loud in the same way. No, but I I love him. Oh man. Thing. I, God damn it, Roman. You're good, Roman. You're good. <laughs> you trying to make me say Bernie Wrightson? Is that what this yes. is? Yes. <laughs> I'd say Tim Vigil before I said oh, Bernie Wrightson. Damn. Just kidding. <laughs> um, I've I, I've been trying to figure this out, and uh, I think I, I have to jump from Kyle Baker, who was my first the first artist that I was like, holy shit, this is amazing, to an artist that kind of grew on me and shaped my taste in comics for a long time after uh, after his work with Garth Ennis mm. on a book called Preacher mm. uh, Steve Dillon R.I.P. Um, that guy that guy takes a little bit of an adjustment it, sure it, does it looks a little bit dated at this point but once you get in the swing of things he gets he gets a lot of very specific emotions through on a very few line drawing of a face. Um, it's amazing. It took me literally years. Mm -hmm. Like I read Preacher Volume 1 as a senior in high school and read – it's just like I, I appreciated him – Eight years later. Yeah. Like, I slowly chewed on two volumes of Preacher for, like, seven years. And it wasn't until, like, volume two that I was like, oh, this, I fucking love that art. Yeah, like, when it clicks, it really, really clicks. And he does a lot with very little. And when he's got a good colorist, um, it's it's just fabulous. And he had a great colorist throughout Preacher. Um, he Punisher? did. He did a big run on Punisher. He did twelve issues of Punisher with also with Garth Ennis. Uh, he did a bunch of Punisher just before he died, 
with uh, Becky Cloonan. Yep. Uh, he did The Pro, also with Garth Ennis. Uh, he did a bunch of Hellblazer, also with Garth Ennis. Um, and he just fits that that kind of gross style that Garth has. And, and also, it's just like so '90s Vertigo. Like, it yeah. Would, like, and not even just to date the style, but like what '90s Vertigo was doing was kind of combining. It was the byproduct of Alan Moore. So you're combining these dark. <laughs> large, larger-than-life things with the grossness of human reality. Yeah. And his style feels so perfectly, like, the champion of that time to me. I, I thought yeah. about putting him on mine, even though I haven't read nearly as much of his stuff, because I just, I really respect that dude's mm -hmm. art. Well, and he, yeah. Like, not only could he get emotion across, but he could also draw some of the grossest, head-exploding, like, wounds and bullet holes and like whenever he wanted to do something disgusting he nailed that too and you, like you could smell the barf when somebody throws up it's also worth mentioning that the fucking letterer on preacher is i don't know who that is i don't know what else they've done i don't know much about lettering but it's the best lettering in the game is todd klein a letterer <sighs> maybe roman what's your uh, second artist um <clears throat> and preacher is your go-to for that Preacher's Mike. Oh yeah, okay. absolutely. Okay. Uh, not not the only thing of his that I love, but uh, right. the preacher is the pinnacle for me. I'm torn because oh man, Stranko was such a good pick. That's a and then when pick. you said Wrightson, I was like, oh damn, Wrightson. Uh, vigil, man. Uh, Faust, Faust that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna say Gene Colin. Oh, oh you <laughs> fucking dog! I love you. Um, Specifically, his work on Howard the Duck in the 70s, because it was the first comic I ever read where the art wasn't, it was moody, atmospheric, and kind of scary without being a horror comic. And at the time, he was doing Tomb of Dracula, too, but I didn't know about that. Um, and I, it wasn't like any other art I'd seen in comics at that point. And it was, it was so dark and moody and weird. And I love. I not later on. I ended up loving his Daredevil too. But. So, do you have a single book that you point to as the one? Obviously, his, didn't he do Nathaniel Dusk? He did do Nathaniel Dusk. No contest. <laughs> I answered for Roman. Did he do that Jack Kirby, <clears throat> uh, Black Racer, Mister Miracle one shot like several months ago? Did he? Or is he I, dead? I Sorry. don't even know. He may be dead. I, I know, know. I know he was I really sick a while. I might ago. be thinking of Bruce Cowan. Yeah, I don't think. I don't know. I yeah, I don't think he did that Black Racer okay. one. I think that was uh, Dennis Cowan, maybe. Okay. Oh yeah, Dennis. yeah, yeah. That was Dennis. Okay. Cowan. Yeah. yeah. So Gene Colan does this thing when one of his characters is horrified, or I guess it's mostly when they're scared. Um, their mouths are open. And they have like this very specific kind of, it looks almost like they have a, a bubble of spit going in their mouths. And it's mm. like half his art and half the coloring. And it's like his signature move for me yeah. is his scared face. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I can't really describe it better than that. But like yeah, anytime but somebody's mean, running yeah. from someone and they're like, their their mouths are open and they've got, it just looks like their mouth is full of cobwebs or something. Yeah, yeah. And you it just, and you feel that terror. And yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can picture it. You know, I can picture Howard running down the street. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it would be him on Howard the Duck. Nice. Howard. Colette. Clem Robbins, okay. by the way, oh. lettered preacher. It's the best. Thanks, Clem. It's the best lettering. <laughs> um, oh, here's where we start getting 
into messy territory. I know, for I'm me with you. It's I just like, <laughs> what side of the bed did I wake up at? At what yeah. time? Uh, I think though I haven't read a ton of his stuff. The, the pieces that I've read, uh, Sean Murphy or mm. Sean Gordon Murphy, depending uh-huh. on who he's being published by and what era we're talking. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, oh man, I love his stuff oh, yeah. so much, and I think. Part of why I love it so much is it's kind of a style that I don't usually go for. Like the pencil sketchy kind of... Yeah, it's it's a little... I like really thick, emotive inking and lines and, and that, like, really scratchy kind of lots of thin little lines and everything doesn't do it for me as much. But there's something about the way he draws... It's just... It, it just makes me really happy and because it's there's so much pain in the painful scenes and beauty in the beautiful panels that it it just crosses over so well into each environment and like something like Tokyo Ghost where you've got this like super juxtaposition of over ver- tech world where everything is so dirty and clinical and all these machines and and nothing about it feels comfortable or beautiful and it all works so well and then you go to this pristine beautiful oasis in japan Mm -hmm. and it works there too and it's just i love the the mix of of how he can take that look from any environment and for any story and it just works and his faces are just so emotive, and I love, I love his it. And fingerprints. I love his yeah. ink fingerprints. <laughs> Do you think he photoshops those in at this point? I refuse to believe that. <laughs> I, I hope not. I I think that that dude wakes up with ink on his fingers and goes to bed with it there too. Are like, they the I size think... of a fingerprint on the page? Yeah. If they're gonna be blown up, they're absolutely like I absolutely am sure <laughs> that that dude, particularly with like punk rock Jesus, yeah. I absolutely think that's what that guy yeah. does. What's yeah. your Sean Murphy book? Uh, I mean, the, the, the three things that I've read from start to finish and it was Chrononauts, which was like a forgettable story Uh with really cool art, Tokyo Ghost, and then White Knight. So have you read Punk Rock Jesus? I've read little bits of it and I, I, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's my favorite thing of his. And it's, I think my favorite thing about that is it's so black and white. Like it is not a colored book and I think that like him doing a book that's intentionally black and white is fucking awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to find time at some point yeah. to sit down and read. The baby that. will help as with that. As long as are there boobies <laughs> in it, because that man can draw some tits. I think that there I think like... that there are boobies in it. I do think that there are boobies in it, but it's it's almost like a book that Remender could have written. It has yeah. very Remender elements. In no, it, I, so. I've heard really good things, and it, yeah. all the stuff that like I missed when it came out, and I've heard really great stuff about is the stuff that I haven't read because yeah. I've been waiting for like a good weekend when I can just right. read all We're of it. We're both waiting for happens. those weekends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so my <laughs> final pick is like super, super hard, um, just like Batwing. Um, it's not, though. It gets a little bit harder when he's talking about murder, but not significantly. <laughs> so like I wanted to do Mobius because I love his art so, so, so much, but he hasn't done an insane amount of sequential fiction. So I, he didn't make the cut for me. I wanted to do Jack Kirby because I love him. At this point, though, my relationship with him is loving 
the fact that that art exists for that time period, yeah, it's insane and it's a gift from the fucking fifth dimension that somebody plucked that out of the subconscious ethers and made it. Um, but so I respect it very, very much for that. But I wasn't around at the time. It doesn't. It it doesn't fall in my top three. So my third one, it, I I I like this person very much, and what I love is that there's still a lot of their work that I have not read and I want to read it. And the books that I do have that I've read, I have literally like stopped reading because I don't want them to be over. And it's Darwin Cook. Oh, yeah. Um, and the one that I would point to is New Frontier. And like I fucking have not finished that book because like... You get to a page where, like, when the Flash is, like, speeding off towards that city to stop Captain Cold from doing this thing, and the way that he uses, like, the first double-page spread of the thing to, like, bend art for these three horizontal panels uh -huh. is, like, also such a gift. Like, it's just so classic-feeling, but not classic. It's It could be contemporary. It feels like old-school superheroes, but it's also one of those ones that, like, it's not flashy, good comic booking like it's it's like i think that you kind of have to read a lot of comic books to appreciate why he's really really good there's a reason that we have him in our windows yeah mm -hmm. and and there's a reason that i've only read new frontier I, i'm reading that um what's the mathematical thing where you only go halfway and then you only go halfway again right 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 halfway again infinity <laughs> like well, I'm with you. I don't really want that to ever be over. And right. As long as I don't finish it, it's never over. And he did that series <clears throat> of like 52 covers during the new 52 that mm -hmm. I want oh, all those of. Those are so pretty. I only own yeah. two art books of comic artists, and it's Frank Quietly and Darwin Cook. Have you read his uh, Parker? No. And that's because I know. I know I would love it. Yeah. That like isn't a sales pitch that would work on me at all. That mm -hmm. story doesn't interest me. But I cannot wait to read that those. storytelling will interest yeah, you. Yeah, I own two of the four because, yeah. like, you know, when I have time to, just like Colette said, like, there's just so many things in my life. When I have time to enjoy, I will. Yeah. And he is one of those things. Like, yeah. almost just his whole body of work is phenomenal. I put it aside because what was his first stuff? I don't For know. Comics. So much animation. Um, he did, like he did Catwoman. Right, that, that predates Catwoman, New Frontier. All Star Western at different times. Uh huh. Um, he did a few issues of uh, The Spirit. Yeah, before he's done, All Star Western. His his body of work is weird and yeah. feels timeless. Um, but yeah, I I think that I think that I put him there to sort of just embody a third type of art that is really meaningful to me. Mm -hmm. So he's my main <clears throat> panel to panel comic booking guy. Yeah, that's that. So, my third guy is, I, I'm choosing him because he, I've never been disappointed with a single thing that I've seen from him. Um, in fact, I, I kind of low-key just want every room I'm in to have a rotating, <laughs> like, five-foot-tall one of his pieces and it, would it have to be five foot tall to fit his art it could be i think his i think his stuff could scale to any size and be imposing i was trying to guess who is it's it? it's gorgeous as thumbnails which we see in previews all the time it's uh 
it's gorgeous when you get a big old 24 by 36 poster from Marvel. Um, and I did not appreciate him back in the day like I do now. Uh, it's Bill Sienkiewicz. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Who, like, like, big works well. Yeah, and the, I think the when I realized that I just straight up loved what he was doing was that uh, it was like Daredevil number five that came out three or four years ago with Elektra on the cover. And it's just a red thing. We had it in our window at the old shop for a long time. It's just an amazing, like, battle pose Electro with, I think, Daredevil's behind her. And starting there, I just started paying attention to all the stuff he does. And he's mostly done covers lately. Mm-hmm. He, did, he, did, he used to do interiors. He did the interiors of The Shadow before Kyle Baker. And, and I just reread those. And as I was rereading it, I was like, this is maybe objectively better than Kyle Baker's <laughs> Um and I didn't like it back then nearly as much because it's it's kind of like his his line work is a lot more like uh, Sean Gordon Murphy than you would expect. Like it's mm-hmm. super sketchy and and super like it's not abstract, but it's not very cohesive when you look at it and you have to translate a lot of things. But his his painted stuff lately is just every single cover he puts out, I'm floored by, um, and. Not many people can be inked by Dennis Cohen and have their art still look good. Sorry, Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I think I mentioned it before, but like when, back in my days of just like stumbling through Tumblr infinitely through yeah. comic book art for artists that I love, I stumbled on that like the the introductory page in like Daredevil or Electro that he did of the Kingpin, oh, and the Kingpin God. is drawn as like three quarters of the page. Yeah, and it's like totally grotesque and not human at all and like is so evocative and mm-hmm. i remember that's in my sweet ass pictures f- file on yeah. my desktop of because it's like yeah it totally floored me then well and that that art from the, the electra series mm-hmm. that he did back then was uh like one of the few comics that my dad saw and i was like nope too sexy you gotta get rid of this nice. um, yeah <laughs> so like i remember always like and i never even got to read it like how I old saw it it's like maybe 13 14 15 it's too sexy for a 14 year old it's it's pretty 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 good pretty, pretty good um and i just recently acquired all the issues so nice. uh, i get to get to sit down with it and the living weapon yeah, I keep thinking I've had my final rebellion, but uh, <laughs> take this, Dad. Uh, yeah, close runner-up would probably be Mitch Garretts, but he's, he's doing the damn thing. He's killing it, but uh, I've just never not loved a Sienkiewicz painting. Yeah. Now I have Covers. to somehow write that. <clears throat> just say his, his his cover art is Sienkiewicz. Uh, uh, it's spelled Sink <laughs> Kettle Witch, according to Steve Peel. Roman. <laughs> Oh man, Steve, use another one. Oh, this is so hard. Um, because J. H. Williams is so good. Um, I've wanted to put him on there. Yeah, oh, it's tough, and I love writes it. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'm gonna go a big easy one and do Kirby. Yeah, the king. <laughs> the hard thing is though, trying to. Yeah. It's between FF, his Fourth World stuff, and his Captain America stuff from the seventies. Just say it's his hands, like. Yeah, like Kirby's <laughs> hands are my favorite. Thing. Yeah, why are you coming at me like that, hand? Yeah, I'll go fourth world. Yeah, of all bombastic Kirby stuff, that's like the most bombastic. Oh, 
Hey, Colette, who's your who's your final artist before we go into writers, Jeff? It's writers. Oh God, the third. The third is the hardest because then you actually have to. Third says it's not these else. people. Right. Also, not a fan of going last. Oh, sorry, uh, Brayden <laughs> is, so we're just used to it. Um, Brayden just collects puns yeah. to punish us with. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, so hard to pick the last, because there's part of me that wants to do just, like... I just want to do J. Scott Campbell because there's a part of me that just loves that shit, even though it's horrible. And <laughs> it's awesome horrible. And... Did, did you hear about that controversy with him lately? And some person was like, "Man, it seems like total bullshit that they have J. Scott Campbell doing all the X Men Black comics. Like, when are they going to learn that comics should be sold to just men?" And he responded like, "Hey, like, I think I have a lot of female fans as well. Yeah, feel free to chime in if you are one." And this huge number of fans of his that are women were like huge fan of Jay Scott. It was this yeah. awesome just like, yep, fuck you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, love him. Is my love point. him. Love him. But also not like, oh, this is amazing comic book right. art to me and everything. Right. And it, it's, yeah, it's so hard. So I'm trying to go with like the three different kind of styles that I love and I, I want to put so many people on there. I really love... Actually, now I'm blanking on everybody's name, so That's we're just right. gonna forget about that. But um, I'm gonna have to go with Gabriel Hardman. As yeah, my I know that's surprising Workhorse. to everybody, <laughs> but uh, I I just really love when you can tell that inks are done with a brush mm. and that really painted illustration. What I just think his stuff is so there's so much mood in every single panel that he does and like it's he's one of the few people that I've I've bought a page from and I just love staring at that thing because there's so much detail for something that looks so loose and freehand yeah. and and he's also someone that like I will read anything I can get my hands on that he puts out no matter what the story is because I want to look at the art well, and so that cinematic. says a lot yeah I so, mean, he is a storyboard right. artist, so it makes yeah. sense that it's got that cinematic quality to it. But he really knows how to build, build to a moment and have these panels that will just little panels to tell the story. And then all of a sudden you've just got a full page that's just nothing but emotion mm -hmm. and, and feeling. And What's your so Hardman pretty. book? Like, what is your go-to Hardman book? Invisible Republic okay. has yep. to be, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's beautiful. It's so, it's such a gripping story. It's so cinematic. And then the sci-fi aspect to it too, his, his subtle creation of a very foreign world mm -hmm. is really well done and really solid in that book. How, because I obviously haven't had time to read it and I don't know if you have either, but have you read his Green Lantern Earth One book? No. Me neither. I want to yeah. read that book so bad. I've had like you know the five minutes that you end up with free at the shop yeah, or whatever, and, and I'm like looking through it and, like, through and just looking at yeah. how pretty the panels are, but I haven't had a chance to actually oh, sit and read it. And one of us needs yeah. to do our Let's job. Just like close the store for the day, and we'll all just, just sit read down and read shit. it. Do, do we have an day. open copy? We, anybody working or no, that's, perusing that's the shelves can open a sealed copy of a book here. I think every yeah. book should be open. Yeah, I totally agree. If it's sealed, it's just that we're lazy and didn't open it. Yeah, or it's got a white cover and we don't want it to get dirty before yeah, you. Yeah, I guess that's yeah. probably the, the, yeah. the if best it's, reason. If it's a DC yeah. book, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the first thing I was 
familiar with him on was Invisible Republic. What else did he do Apes before books. that? Apes books? Yeah, he did Apes books. For a long time. Um, I know Karina, his, his wife, Karina Becko, wrote some uh, uh, Tomb Raider. She did Miss Fury when um, when that was brought back. Did he do any um, of the Tomb Raider? This crazy because I've known his name forever. What did he do? Yeah, I honestly I can never remember what he's been what he is technically on his list. He did from a shadow before. cover. Yeah, he's done a lot of stuff here and there, but I I don't nothing really pops into my head from the earlier Invisible Republic. It's, it's Holy shit. You were the reason why I bought that. Am I? <laughs> yeah, because I was in the shop and I was like, this looks cool. And I started flipping through it and you walked past and you were like, that was awesome. And I wanted to impress you. So I'm like, sure, I'll buy it. I don't know why. That's I was uh, just weird. Now that you know that me, little Can you touch your toes? <laughs> That's impressive. I, I, I don't know if you guys that's know. That's not a pregnant joke. I just, just can't touch my toes. <laughs> he did Secret Avengers stuff. He did Star Wars stuff. He did that's Army right, of yes. Darkness stuff. He did um, yeah, he did a some bunch Batman of Star stuff. Star Wars stuff for Dark Horse. Turf but... Wars. Hulk is a big thing. Mm-hmm. Secret Avengers keeps coming up. Yeah, so Legends of the Dark Knight. He didn't really have a lot of like solid runs on right. things. He would do a little bit here or there, which is why it's kind of hard to remember. He came up to me because a podcast I really like really liked his Planet of the Apes books for mm-hmm. no reason other than that he was mm-hmm. just really great yeah. on them. Yeah. Like, the his Aliens Dead Orbit, the story, it's an alien story. It's it's fun, it's whatever, but it's so cool looking. Yeah. That it's gonna Life's be a dust. really good... Life dust, dust, dust a, uh, I don't know. Some book. Some yeah. book. It's something. Don't okay. trust me on any words or names because I can't because get anything it's right today. Because she's it's, drunk. It's bedtime. <laughs> You've got to stop drinking for your fetus. Uh, Jeff, I'm yeah. going to give you a Murphy's apple juice. They come in these handy... Rectal uh, suppository bottles. Rectal suppository <laughs> bottles packaged in eights. Let Unlike, me see if I can taste the unique blend of cinnamon and nutmeg that Marshall's uses. <laughs> Clove. Oh, you know what? They do chase variants. Murphy's apple juice. Murphy's Murphy's Marshall's apple juice does a chase variant in every eight pack that they send out. But to be fair, it is a reference to using it as a chaser when you take shots of whiskey. Because they say that a little, what is their jingle? A little bit of Marshall's, a little bit of pickle goes a long way. That's the thing that they always say. Pickleback. Give me that pickleback. So my favorite writers, this was really, really hard for me. um, Because I think everyone here would say my favorite writer is not who I'm going to say my favorite writer is. Oh, jeez. Yeah. I know. Um, And I have four people here, so I don't know what I'm going to do at the end. But I want to say that my favorite writer, I think... In terms of like from when I started reading comics as an adult until now, is uh, Jonathan Hickman. Why did you think we wouldn't guess that? I think that everyone would think it was Grant Morrison. No, I thought no. it was Rick no, I, I would have thought <laughs> Jonathan Hickman, yeah. Really? Yeah. I was going to say Rick Remender, but. Uh... Really? No. <laughs> He almost made the top three. Okay, well, that's bizarre. I figured Hickman would be on your list. Actually, I was Well, gonna... I knew he was going to be on my list, but I can actually say that I can say Frank Quietly is my favorite artist, and I would say that Jonathan Hickman is my favorite writer. Oh. Is oh, what I'm fuck. saying. fuck. I'm not doing that. Sorry, kids. No. I... I'm not ranking these guys. No, 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 no. no. no, no, no. I can't. I, my brain <laughs> doesn't work one, two, three, 
but I have one from each category that is oh, my okay. favorite. See, I would have said Gary Dugan for you, actually. But. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love Grant Morrison. He's like what has made me love comics as an adult, but his body of work is much more hit or miss with me. Um, and he's way more exploratory as a writer. And I think Jonathan Hickman almost 100% of the time does shit that I love. I can't think of a book that he's written I don't like. And Grant Morrison has written things I don't like. I might like the things from Grant Morrison that I like more than I like things from Jonathan Hickman. But I think in terms of batting 100%, that would be Jonathan Hickman. The other two art writers, well, Grant Morrison is going to be one of them. But they're definitely my second level Grant Morrison's almost that top one, but I, I don't have everything ranked. But I, I do think that Frank Quitely and Jonathan Hickman are my two favorite guys. But Grant Morrison is also he's like my Beatles. You and know, they haven't worked like, together. They haven't worked together. I think that Jonathan Hickman's got too much of a stubborn ego to like humble himself in the way that it would probably take to work with Grant Morrison because it's I, obviously his Frank Quitely. Oh, sorry, I thought you were talking about those two writers together. No, 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 I mean Hickman and... No, I haven't. And I don't know that his scripting would work with Frank Whiteley's. I think they just know that your head would explode yeah. if they collaborated This is really going to fucking really... jack up that Bellingham kid. <laughs> Hickman's work has sharp corners to me, kind of like his name and kind of like all of his graphic design. It's like there are a lot of acute angles in everything that he does for me. And Quietly's is not angled like that his it's 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 it, all of his all of his stuff looks almost bruised like I th- I think, swollen i think bit. that yeah and I, I agree with that for me i don't think that hickman probably is looking for the amount of collaboration that a frank quietly yeah. piece well i think that frank quietly works probably more like i do which right. is sort of like i have this thing i want to get it made can you do this super well Right. And do that. Whereas Grant Morrison's like, I don't fucking know. Here's this thing I want to do, but I want you to want it. Do your own thing. I like that style of more work of work more because it's not who I am. Um, but it also leaves room for more failure, I think, than Jonathan Hickman's approach does. Yeah. So I, I, I think that in terms of the body of work, uh, Hickman's earns a higher average percentage than mine does. Mm-hmm. Um, God, my favorite thing of his... Um, is probably is Fantastic Four for sure. Nice. Yeah, Django. Jeffrey. I did Jeffrey. my favorite writer. What is your What is your top yeah. three writer? Doesn't have to be in order. I was just deciding to drop a gauntlet and say I have a favorite writer and a favorite artist, and it makes me feel bad about Grant Morrison. That's That's okay. I'm not going to put them in any order. Good. But uh, I'm going to do similar to, that I did with the artists. Where um, I think the first time I realized that I really liked a writer was Warren Ellis on Transmetropolitan. Mm. Um, and I'm going to give him one of my top three right here and now, even yeah. though I don't think that he's still Got doing it. the output. I think he probably still has it somewhere in him, but he hasn't done anything that I liked nearly as much as Transmetropolitan or... Um, planetary or even the authority since those ended um he's really good at building complete worlds making super complex sci-fi ideas just feel totally natural as you're reading it um and with with something like transmetropolitan 
when I go back and look at those early issues, it almost feels like he's the H.G. Wells of comic books because he was predicting the technology that we take totally for granted right now when that started coming out 20, 21 years ago. I've only read the first three paperbacks of Transmetropolitan. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like it. I, I really like Hunter Thompson. I really like Warren <clears throat> Ellis, and I like Derek Robertson's art very, very much. Um, I've only read the first three paperbacks, and I have the first two absolute editions, and when uh-huh. the third one comes out, I'm going to take it home. And it is like solely an investment in the fact that I know that's one of the best things ever, and yeah. I, when I have time, I'll read it. I would say that and Planetary are yeah. um, must-reads <laughs> for people. Planetary? More like Planet Barry. Oh, 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 oh. oh Roman, thanks for moving my arms. They are too short. <laughs> it's like a Tyrannosaurus. I just wish I could blink. For the love of God, cover my eyes. I can't blink. Roman, what's your writer guy? Uh, Alan Moore. Alan Moore. I just Alan took a Moore. dump in my pants. <laughs> oh, and, wait, no, that's Alan he, Moore's beard. And he, <laughs> and, and he could write the first five chapters of another epic book all about that dump. He sure could. And it would be fascinating. You know how many pages of script it would be? It'd be 45, 50 pages of script. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the dump moved out of his rectum like the city's waste. Yeah. yeah. What is, uh, what's, what's your quintessential Alan Moore? He's not going to say Watchmen. No, not it's going to be Watchmen. either um, League or Man Thing. Mm. Oh, Swamp Thing. Yeah, yeah he, didn't, he didn't do Man Thing. Man Thing. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> I knock him up. You set him down, boys. <laughs> <laughs> you certainly do not. <laughs> not anymore. Took care of that. I can um, still smell it on you. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, Django and I have something to tell you we've been keeping from you. Is that Django's? Wouldn't you no, like but to the know? amount of customers that I think think it's Django's. Oh, God. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. Could, could you tell them, it's not Django's, it's Jeff's? Could you do that bit? Oh. Can we have that going? Whisper it to him, though, Jango. when I'm around. He it's his, yeah. but it's Jeff's. <laughs> totally. And Jared could just be in the back, dressed as Batman. Yeah. <laughs> Watching. Oh, uh, sorry. God, that's not going in. Gotta cut that out. Gotta leave that in. Gotta leave that this in. This is it by episode 100, baby. Yeah, that's going to get Django's business taken away from us. <laughs> um, hey, Roman, what's your favorite Alan Moore work? I'm a fertility idol. Um. Oh. <laughs> Those big it- golden women. <laughs> That is my favorite work of his, yeah. <laughs> it, probably, it probably is Swamp Thing. Well, God. See, that's another tough one. Swamp Thing, Promethea, mm. or um, now I'm blanking on it. Um, America's Best Comics, Tom Strong. That was awesome. Lost hey, do you Girls. have a full set of Promethea? I do. I have all the issues. Nice. And I have the, the three, I think it's three. The three absolutes. absolutes. Oh, do you, are you sure you Two, have? Well, you have one of them. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know which I one. I think one the first those. one. You're um, never getting it back. I know. Um, don't trust me with an absolute edition. I, I, God, I forgot what the third one was that I love of his. Oh, uh, frick. A small I, killing. You know, I actually haven't read that yet. Mm, it's depressing. There, there's. It's an aborted fetus. To haunt is it that? This guy. There's some stuff I want. I'm looking forward to reading is that it I have. Superman. But I haven't read. Whatever happened to the man of tomorrow? God, that is fantastic. 
No. It's so far, the stuff of his I've read, there's nothing I haven't liked. I mean, maybe... Um, Cross plus 100. What was the, what was the cinematic? It was, ba- it was basically a poem in a short issue. It was told in like a cinema in Lost the 30s. Rules. with the, Cinema Purgatorio. No. It was just a one-shot told like gangsters in the 30s outside of a cinema. It was just basically like the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Except Is this it was all going into the one story that you don't care for that much? That was the one that I was like, eh. Okay, but it was on. still better. <laughs> but, it was, but it was still better than most writers. Let's not worry about remembering it then. Um, but it would probably be between Swamp Thing, Miracle Man, that Miracle and Man Promethea. Man is very good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, those three. But his prose stories, I mean, all the stuff I've read so far, I... I Always really enjoy it. I can't wait to hear Justin's answers for all these questions oh, when yeah. he gets back. Yeah, in a couple of weeks. I can't help but I, anytime I hear his voice, like or his name, I go, oh. So then Colette, yeah, write right, 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 right. author authors. <laughs> uh, it's it's a shocking one. You guys are gonna be totally surprised. Is it Jason Aaron? When I say the Jason Aaron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Barry loves Jason Aaron because I, I love do football. Oh. Well, Newberry doesn't like football. Barry does, though. I I do not care so much for football, and Jason Aaron makes me care about football. Mm. Um, <laughs> but no, Scalped is oh yeah absolutely by far probably my favorite series I've read ever because it's so fucking it's good. So incredibly good it it's one of those things that i lose the ability to describe what i love about it because i just get overwhelmed with how much i can't sell that book anymore i can't talk about that book in the store effectively anymore because like i love it too much and i just feel like i'm just throwing up on people and i don't i need to reread it we need to reread scalped yeah See, yeah. like, every just, time yeah. we've talked Scout about having cast. a book club or something like that, I'm like, oh, I want to read Scalped yeah. and Let's Do Southern Bastards, and I basically rattle off in my head all, all the, the books that whenever I try <laughs> to tell people that they should buy it, my description is like, oh, it's like all these broken, super depressed people in, like, living horrible lives, <laughs> and you can't wait to find out what happens to them and how much it breaks even more. Yeah. All the bad guys are good and all the good guys are bad. Yeah. You know Breaking Bad? It's, like, ten times better but kind of similar. Yeah, that's kind of how I, like, how I sell Scalp to people is just some, like, did you love The Wire? Did you love Breaking Bad? Take this. Buy this book. Yeah. I will give you a discount. Read this book. It's yeah. so fucking good. <laughs> uh, just his, the way he takes these real world scenarios and these like little microcosms and just pushes them right to the edge of believability mm-hmm. and and realism, and then creates these characters within that just slightly exaggerated world that are just so believable and so the pinnacle of different types of broken situations and people. It just, oh, it just moves me to being not able to talk anymore. Well, my third spot was definitely up for grabs between Jason Aaron and somebody else. I think before you reveal that, yeah, we should talk just briefly. Yeah. About how Murphy's apple juice. Yes. My you're favorite, right. my favorite part about Murphy's apple you're juice. Right, you're right. And this is, you're right. My childhood favorite. Right. This right. is like, I don't know how they do it. Me neither. I don't know 
I don't know what what the deal is or like if this was on purpose or something that they just lucked into, but I love how the bottles that they've engineered, they butt actually they, they look like butt plugs. Right, okay. Right, okay. They, they went to France or Germany or Russia or somewhere. Scandinavia. 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 So they've got a Scandinavian factory yeah. um, because they couldn't find somebody to make the bottles here. They well, they ha- you can't. You have to actually pass sex toy regulation at that point, and they right. couldn't. It, it looked like it, was, it infringed upon a bunch of trademarks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which that's cool that they look like that, but it's not the, the selling point. My my favorite part is the sound. How yeah. they make a bottle sound like a can. Well, they it's definitely magical. have a bottle with a can pop top on the top. It's amazing. Um, so one of my favorite things about Murphy's uh, apple juice is that um, they opened a Marshall's factory in Washington. They opened a Marshall's factory in Michigan. They opened a Marshall's factory in Florida. They've got several different apple hubs throughout the U.S. And they don't just make, you know, Marshall's Washington apple juice. It's not just Marshall's Tennessee apple jay. It's not that. What they do is they create a sort of like floral blend of apples and they just fucking roast it with cinnamon <laughs> and they just fucking roast it <laughs> and i never knew cinnamon and floral could go together so well yeah well you cinnamon know? yeah cin- it's like no. cinnamon and honeysuckle they they don't really hype the honeysuckle but when when you uh kind of you it's can taste it. the honeysuckle right right right, right, right. a little Perfume. bit of jasmine yeah, yeah. a hint of just <clears throat> that like aftertaste of, of jasmine murphy's yeah. floating is, in the back of it murphy's is yeah. sort of thinking about the bees when they brew their brew um that's my thing you're not committing to one spot when you drink murphy's you're committing to community you're committing to uh, the common man and woman you're committing to uh, the melting pot of america like marshall's is us and that's what I love. It's the United it of is. the United States. Um, so <laughs> we are super, super, super appreciative to Murphy's um, for sponsoring this episode. So uh, they actually hooked us up with a really, really sweet uh, thing for us and our listeners. If you go to murphysapplejuice.com backslash papcast, that's M-U-R-P-H-Y-S Murphy's applejuice.com backslash papcast. So go to murphysapplejuice.com backslash papcast and enter the coupon code papjuice. <laughs> Not to be confused with pap schmear. No, absolutely. And the bagelry actually has a wonderful special on pap schmear right now. Oh, oh. I, I, I love that special. It's so good. Garlic and sun-dried tomato. Oh, oh um, man. Give me but no, what's really, schmear. really cool about Murphy's and we are... Again, laughing at you, Murphy's, but we love you. Um, we're we're laughing with you. you. But they actually have, f- for no reason that we understand, um, offered uh, this coupon out to the listeners. If you go to murphysapplejuice.com backslash papcast and enter papjuice as the coupon code, you will get four free, rectally, perfectly shaped bottles of uh, Murphy's apple juice. So thank you very much, Murphy's. And uh, let's get back to the show. Quite a bargain. It's quite a bargain. It's a steal at twice the price. It's a steal. Yes. If that's not the best apple juice you ever had, if it ain't, it should be. <laughs> My granddaddy used to say, it's a squeal at twice the price. <laughs> and these bottles, they reinforce that. Let's what? just say you're not going to get rid of the bottles. So you uh, you were almost going to do Jason Aaron, I was, and maybe you still will. We I haven't am. had a dupe yet. I'm going to do I'm going to uh, do Jason Aaron. Uh, yeah. I was I was really torn between Jason Aaron 
for the longevity of how amazing he is, and Tom King, who is amazing, and I think in another year, if I still feel this way, he will make this list, but uh, Jason Aaron has been putting out stuff for like five years, and I've only been reading Tom King stuff for about a year, but he has a 100% success rate with me. Um, so Jason Aaron, just for every reason that you just said, Scalped is, I think, one of the, like, it's a, it's a Desert Island book. If I had three series I could bring with me, for the rest of time, Scalped would absolutely be one of them. It's one of the best comic series out there. Everything he writes, I trust him to have a unique voice and spin on. I'm always interested if he's going to be the writer. He can do, like, I, I've never cared about Thor, and he's made me care about Thor for, like, four years now. Uh, he's he's super, super good. So my Jason Aaron book would also be Scalped, but uh, Southern Bastards it for to differentiate the list um very close second and if anybody listening to this like we've got these artists and favorite writers tied to each of us if you're curious about any of these if you want to hear more about them come into the store and uh just ask any one of us um and we would love to go on and on just use the coupon code papjuice and uh <laughs> we'll be ready for you Django. what is your other favorite writer man uh, so i was gonna Bad. i was gonna leave this guy for last, because I think he's... Shaken. No. I think he's my favorite currently working writer, um, just in kind of the breadth of what he does, and not every single thing he's done knocks it out of the park, but when I read his stuff, I have real emotions about fake characters. Um, and I was going to save this guy for my third, because I wanted it to be the last one, but uh, I can't... Think of an appropriate middle one. He's so. about to drop the gooey duck. <clears throat> the gooey duck? <laughs> gooey. Uh, no. Oh. The Lemire duck. Uh, I knew. I knew we were going to uh, get to see this guy. It's got to be Jeff Lemire because he he just does it just right. He writes sad kids walking through the Canadian snow so well. And what's amazing is that that isn't in a thing that you immediately assume that would tickle Django. You just think I'm all dust. I like snow, too. <laughs> it's Yeah, but what is snow? It's like Arctic dust. Yeah, yeah it's like water dust. It's like water dust. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't know that I could pick one thing of his that made me think that uh, or that, that, like, elevated him to, like, super writer status in my mind. It's, it's more how... He just nails it almost every time. It's kind of like that Bill Sienkiewicz thing where I'm like, yeah, his covers kick ass. Um, Jeff Lemire's comics are just good. There are very few exceptions. I will not stand by his uh, X-Men books. Or his um, DC stuff. His DC stuff was, yeah, like medium good. Justice League United. <clears throat> but you can't just say his superhero stuff is no good because he's doing Black Hammer and right now. he did now. Animal Man. He did Animal Man that was pretty solid. Mm -hmm. um, Green Arrow? Old Man Logan. That I didn't did Old Green Man Arrow. Logan. Old Man Logan was awesome until the last four, which yeah. I think was an editorial thing. I love when he does singular superheroes, mm -hmm. when he tries to do a team, which is right. kind of a thing for me with Aaron, too, actually. It doesn't hit me as well when it's more a team and it's story-based. Yeah, I would agree, I agree with you until but, Black Hammer, well, Yeah, There's which no is exception to everything. fabulous. Um, I, I, I agree. I agree. 100% agree. He's one of my favorite writers, and I can't think of his one go-to thing, except 
it would be Black Hammer for me at this point. Yeah, but, but that's I felt not that indicative way. of his work. No, and I felt that way about him before Black Hammer. Yeah. Like, he's one of my favorite writers before Black Hammer. Second to that is probably Sweet Tooth. It took me years to read Sweet Tooth, mm-hmm. but I guess I guess Sweet Tooth is when it kind of all fell into place for me because I'd read some of his shorter stuff, and then I read Sweet Tooth. I was like, yeah, I like this guy enough. I guess I understand his art. He's an amazing artist. It looks like shit at first, and then you realize that he's he's doing exactly what he wants to do with it. It's like listening to a Neutral Milk Hotel album. I don't know what that means. Somebody out there does. Someone does. Someone younger and hipper than the... I'm very (laughs) young, very fertile, and very hip. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of your hips, Jeff. They pop. Roman, what's your... uh, Who's your number two? Who number two'd for you? (laughs) Who'd do your two? Who'd do my two? Right time. Right time. Writer time. Um, Oh, oh, okay, that's how you meant. Politics. Alt right, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Big fan of Kavanaugh. Um... (laughs) <laughs> I just see him in the news titles, but I think he's a bad guy, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a bad guy. He's a bad, bad man. He's like Darth Kavanaugh. We are yeah. dating this podcast. Remember that couple weeks where everyone thought Kavanaugh was maybe a bad guy or maybe not a bad guy? Oh, he's That's de- this he's, podcast. He's definitely a bad guy. Um, I'm going to go with Steve Gerber. Wow. On, on Howard the Duck, specifically. But uh, also Defenders, Man-Thing. On Man, I think it was Man Thing where he introduced the character of Fool Killer, which is this ridiculous-looking guy in a big old pimp hat and a black unitard, <clears throat> whose mission is he's out there to kill whoever he he deems are fools. So it was a commentary on consumerism and politics and all this other stuff. Was he a psychiatrist at the time? I don't remember if he was or not. Huh. So the character but, is it but, a different person that has become the the modern. I think day the I think the modern one is the third full killer actually because the first oh, two wow. got killed and I think the first one, if I remember right, got killed because one of the other characters kind of inadvertently convinced him, well, you're kind of a fool too the way you're approaching this stuff, and the guy was like, shit, you're right. <laughs> killed himself because <laughs> he's like, if I'm going to maintain my mission, I got to kill myself. That's kind of like cla- that 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 kind of. Like encapsulate Steve Gerber's, I guess you would say wit. I don't. I don't know. Like it's his commentary. It's very acerbic yeah. commentary on uh, not only like politics and stuff, but comics and the, and the medium of comics. I don't yeah. know yeah. enough it, about him at all, or have read any. It, of his well, books. when I was really a kid good. too, I started reading Howard the Duck. Cause one of my mom's coworkers gave me a copy of some other comics, so I didn't get a lot of the stuff when I was a kid. But it's something about it stuck with me because it was this absurd duck character smoking a cigar and everything so you could do that in comics then but there was this some kind of commentary going on that i didn't quite get but i was like wow this is this is like bigger than your typical comic did he do nevada he did was that him that was that was good yeah it was a vertigo title is that with steve Pugh, glenn fabry somebody like that glenn fabry i think yeah because they did a follow-up howard the duck series and howard's your your go-to for that yeah yeah all right, and we now get to the point where it's yep. very clear that I only was told about this whole three favorite people <laughs> like 45 minutes before I got here. <laughs> and I, yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so I think... It's Eric Larson, isn't it? <laughs> it might be like Jim Lee or that school of thing. Uh, 
Wow, that look. She who, just who, looked at you like who, that. Who writes her favorite boundless, boundless book? <laughs> <laughs> boundless is about the art. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, sorry, 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 sorry. We're in writer at this point. I don't know why I said Jim Lee. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Um, I guess this person just purely because if you look on my shelf, like there is... I will read anything he puts out, and I may not always love it, but... Yeah. yeah, but when I love it, fuck, I love it, is Rick Remender. Um, just because, like I said before, I really like being depressed by my books. Yeah. <laughs> and I really love reading about... So I like... What I love about his stuff is is similar to Jason Aaron, but for an opposite reason, is that I love that he creates these really outlandish, crazy worlds... And puts really relatable, really human characters within them. So the the really out there premise that you're living, that he's setting up and he flushes out really well, you get to really explore it and feel comfortable with it because the characters tend to be really relatable within it. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least those are the, the things that I love of his. Like there's definitely different pieces like, Fear Agent, or Black Science, which I've only read the first couple of or whatnot. Like, they're their own thing. It's more pulp. It's fun. It's 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 a genre that it's supposed to be and is great for what it is. But I just, like, um, love Deadly Class, where it's this super fantasy within a real world with all these just screwed-up kids... <laughs> Being screwed up kids, but what if they could kill each other? And Or like um, Last Days of American Crime is one that most people don't seem to have read. And I loved that one. It's this like near future where uh, the, gover- or the government's about to put into place this broadcast that inhibits people from being able to do things that are wrong. So it's the last days of crime oh, in America. Wow. And so it's what are all these different crime families and criminals doing to prepare for not being able to do everything that they've been doing. And it's hmm. it's just a one last caper story for this little crew. But it's as they're trying to do it, you're getting to see all these different crime families and whatnot trying to adjust to things. And I just really love that. What if real relatable broken people were put into these really crazy situations. He he really almost took the Jason Aaron spot for me. Um, kind of like Grant Morrison, he has like a hit rate and a miss rate. Yeah. There are books of his that I just don't read. Um, but I would say that his, like, when he's on, I identify more heavily with his protagonist than any writer out there. Mm-hmm. Like, The Deadly Class stuff um but his other books as well like i just like he he like you said like he you there's an identifiability like you identify these protagonists in a way that i can't really describe it's almost otherworldly and then the other thing about him is that i think more than jason aaron like he's better at writing marvel books than his personally i i prefer his Marvel books to his creator own books. I he love. He can write a team Marvel yeah. book. Yeah, he can Aaron write a struggles with. He can write a team book better than almost anybody. His yeah. Uncanny X Force run is one of my favorite T 
team books and comic books ever. Yep. It's it's up there in Access terms of like the best thing. Was a fantastic event. Yeah. But I try to get anybody that I can to read it and like it just sits there. But it was a really cool take on a team book. I think the and, problem with that one was the time. Like it yeah. just came out at a really weird time for Marvel. It was like, is this? Well, a I wasn't big... working here at that yeah. point. I was yeah. a customer. <laughs> <laughs> I bought it from you. <laughs> but... <laughs> but yeah, he's I I totally he's. Yeah. One of my absolute, he's top six for me for sure. Five or six, yeah. And do you have a one that you would point to? Uh, uh, it's, it's a toss. It's, can we edit some of that out? I really like the sound. I'm feeling really I will say that Deadly Class, like, first two or three volumes is like, so good and it got a little too angsty for me and it did pull out of that but there's like those first two volumes yeah. are almost a thing that I set aside in my brain as like a special moment in comics for me yeah and and I feel like this last arc has actually gotten back to what I those first three volumes for yeah. me is what was really amazing I love that book I really love Last Days of American Crime but I think Captain Tokyo. Dingleberry, isn't it? Huh? Captain Dingleberry. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. First one. Uh, that's the early work yeah. of his that he yeah. clings to, like um, a Dingleberry. Yeah. Uh, I'm. I'm probably actually Tokyo Ghost. Yeah. Because that one was. It's just concise. two mm. volumes. It's so concise and beautiful, and I almost couldn't read it because it was. It hit me so hard. Like the first three issues, I read, and I was like, "Damn, I can't. I can't read these." These people are so fucked up yeah. and hurting so deeply that I I had to wait. And I finally pushed through it, and I was like, oh, okay, it makes a major shift, and I can handle this. I hope but that that guy like, can find some happiness oh. in his life. Yeah. I hope Rick Remender is a guy that works through his pain and as such lives a happy life. From what I can tell, it <clears> seems <throat> like this is his therapy yeah. a lot of the time. It's his catharsis, which I kind of I appreciate when I, I know that some of the what I'm reading, especially when it can be a little melodramatic, is, is real. maybe tied to something yeah. real in someone's life, or is them exercising something. Well, no surprises, everybody. My third favorite, and not third favorite, very close second, um, is Grant Morrison. Um, what? what? <laughs> uh, I, I, I talk about it all the time. I would not work here if it weren't for Grant Morrison. I don't know that I would love comic books in the way that I do if it weren't for him. I stumbled on his writing at just the right time in my life that it absolutely, utterly changed my life, particularly like his the documentary about him talking with gods that I know is super polarizing for people, but I think it's one of the most like inspiring, hopeful things that I've ever watched or been a part of. Um, I've watched it an ungodly amount of times at this point. But he's just a creator that, like, more than even his work, he's just a person that, like, makes me incredibly happy that he exists. And knowing that he exists and his work exists has gotten me through a bunch of weird stuff in my own life. So I think he's just... What I love about him is that... One of the things I love about him is that he just does whatever... And what that means is that he does put out books that I don't care about as much sometimes. Even in those books, 
I'm able to see that there's a thing that he's playing with that maybe I don't really care that much about, but he's doing exploratory personal work and it is all resonant to him. I love that. I lo like he got me in. He was like the bridge to access a, a school of ideas that is incredibly important to me now. Um, and just like my everyday life that I didn't understand or have a relationship with before his writing. So he's like, he's like when like people talk about the first time they hear the Beatles or the Beach Boys or something like he, like the first time as an adult that I, I don't know. He, he set like the reason that I even talk about comics the way that I do is he set a bar so insanely high for me that I love comics, but it's mostly like watching people just barely miss that bar most of the time. And Jonathan Hickman gets there most of the time, but um, Grant Morrison is oof. I would say Flex Mentalo is my favorite thing of his, but like All Star Superman, <clears throat> The Invisibles, uh, his Batman run is my favorite Batman run. His stuff uh, is epic and huge and feels, I don't know, like I, I, I love, I do love and respect Alan Moore very, very much, but he stands for the opposite of what I like in humanity. Like he kind of represents <laughs> gatekeeping to me, whereas Grant Morrison to me is the exact opposite, which is just sort of like, everyone come into my sandbox and play with these things that I didn't make that I'm playing with. And like, how cool is it to just be hopeful? Like, I just think that being positive is great. And the downside of that is that, yeah, sometimes you're just going to be carried away with an idea and have fun with it and it won't resonate with people. But even when I don't like his shit, it still feels like a fucking kid that is super pumped to be in his sandbox playing with that new toy truck that pours sand into the same spot that he just picked it up from and whatever. But it's, but when he's on, it's like you're fucking looking at the code of the universe and no one has ever shown it to you before and you're understanding a bigger part of reality than you ever knew. Like, fuck. So, and he's yeah. telling you. You're looking at the code of the universe. But he's also saying, if you don't see that, that's cool too, my dude. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> These are my toys. You make your own toys. But he always says, like, your toys are just as good as my toys. <laughs> like, his whole thing is just like, dude, go do your thing. I'm just out here living my crazy life and talking about it. And people call me a drug addict. People call me fucking insane all the time. I'm not saying anybody is wrong. I'm just saying this is my life. Please go live yours and then tell me about it. Let's all share our lives. And that's my like model for what it means to be a human being at this point is like, let's all just be ourselves and then share it positively. And uh, yeah, so like he's, he's a role model uh, far beyond everything. So Graham Morrison for me. Oof. There are a lot of writers that I've been reading for a really long time and that I will read anything they put out no matter how bad it is. Um, but I think my third my third guy in my top three in no particular order. Good to, good to specify. <clears throat> um, today. Yeah. Also good to specify. <laughs> absolutely today. But probably even when I look back over the last uh, last year... It's Tom King. Yeah. Like, he knows how to make a comic that makes you feel things. Mm -hmm. And it's never gratuitous. It never really gets stuck in kind of genre mud. Um, even his Batman has not been a superhero Batman. And 
when he tells a superhero story, it's a personal story that has a superhero in it. Um, and he's just got the kind of, for me, the perfect knack for slow pacing and slow reveals. And the way that he, I don't know if he chooses his artists or if uh, DC chooses his artists or what, but um, he just consistently works with people who can handle what he writes and roll it out in in a way that is uh, impactful for me pretty much in every single issue, even if I don't really love the issue because there's been some Batman issues that I've been lukewarm on. But I'll read it and, and be like, well, shit, that's... That's real good. What's your go-to <clears throat> point to a Tom King book? It's got to be Mr. Miracle. Yeah. Like, I I don't think I've ever read a, a comic as good as number six. Or whatever that was. The one yeah. where they're going through Apocalypse. Yeah. That's, that's maybe the best comic I've ever held. It's and uh, it's definitely almost as good as Pax Americana. It, yeah. It's right, it's right there yeah. for me with Pax Americana. And I think... Uh, but Pax Americana was not... <clears throat> part of a series or anything so the fact that mr miracle pulled off what it did in the context of a series like pax yep. americana is a one shot regardless and of pax americana is amazing right and and uh i would i would put those two comics next to each other i think the biggest difference is that pax americana leans on what's come before from also, my appreciation of it also it's a good leans, leans heavily <clears throat> on the art yeah yeah uh, and yeah. and that uh, that Mr. Miracle, I think I could hand a non-comic book reader that copy of Mr. Miracle, and not only would they be reading one of the most complexly designed comics with the different types of like splash pages and the way panels interact with other panels mm-hmm. and the the way time moves in that comic, um, but they would get it and they would want to know more. Yeah. And, uh, like that's that's a comic for comic nerds and for anyone else, and I think that Pax Americana is an amazing comic for, for comic, comic nerds. nerds. Yeah. Um, probably the best comic for comic nerds. But this one, that just what Tom King pulls off with that stuff is, it blows me away every Definitely. time. Every time I read one of his things, I'm like, fuck, you're still, you're still nailing this. And for, we got one issue left on uh, Mister Miracle. He could totally shit the bed, but I don't me, think he will. My problem is that like everybody else got wise to Tom King before I did. So, like, I was like, <clears throat> fuck you. Like, I, I don't know. I was just like, I don't... I didn't read Omega Men, and I hadn't read his novels, and I wasn't reading The Vision. And, like, I Omega haven't read Men, any of that. Omega Men... Is, right. But, like, there were people who were coming to the store was like, this guy is the best. And I was like, I haven't read any of his shit, so I don't fucking believe you. And then he just kept getting more popular and then got on books that I started reading. And I was yeah. like, oh, I'm dumb. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I was just, I looked for reasons to not like him. Mm-hmm. Stupidly and stubbornly. And he is absolutely one of the best writers of this era and one of the best writers of all of comic books, I think. I think yeah. he's... He's got skills. And he's like so early in his career as well. So I cannot fucking wait to see what else he does. Yeah. Roman? And his favorite drink is Murphy's apple juice. It is. He's a big Murphy's guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. They call him King Murphy. King Murphy. Murphy. <laughs> um, well, heck, you already said it, but I was going to say Grant Morrison. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
You summed it up so well. I mean, ba- I mean, basically, he's the the Jack Kirby of comic book writers. He's hitting all the same kind of big, huge, like cosmic. Let's play with this. What what would happen if this goes this way? Um, and I think JLA is my Morrison favorite, mm. followed by Flex Pentalo and Doom Patrol. His JLA was so good. That's that my, was, it's my favorite JLA. I I'm think it read saved it comics. Honestly, because that was that was when comics really sucked. So was that like early two thousands? It was right before Superman went red and blue. It was while Marvel was in bankruptcy. It was like garbage. Was that around was the same out. time that like Ultimate Spider Man came out? Ninety mm. seven. I think so it was before, before that. that. Yeah, 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 you're right. It was everything was garbage, <clears throat> and yeah. it, and it really was like, no guys, wait, look what comics can be. Yeah, look what they can do. Yeah, and he, <clears throat> I think, I think it's because of that. That we just take it for granted that Batman's going to win, right? Because mm. he had a contingency plan for the White yeah. Martians, and like every time something would happen, he'd be like, "Up, oh, Batman's off the table." And then, yeah. oh, J slash K. Well, it was before <laughs> they had lead speak, but Batman right. would say, "Just kidding," which took forever. Um, no, way longer than J slash K. No, like K. Grant Morrison has always talked about, like his Batman's superpower is preparedness. Yeah, yeah like that. So I think that is a Morrison. Concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He introduced that. Earth two. Oh yeah. Earth Holy two. Holy fuck! That book exists and people don't talk about it. <laughs> the Earth oh two my... JLA. Yeah, that like or, uh, one yeah. or two issues. Yeah, in, I think it came out yeah. as a separate thing, but like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> whoa. And, and wow. Another whoa. And his when I first became aware of his name on Animal Man mm-hmm. and other comics, you know, mm-hmm. She Hulk and stuff had done. The, the breaking the fourth panel and everything. But it was usually done for a humorous effect. In Animal Man, he did it, and I remember, I was like, you know, this is some literate shit here. <laughs> this, it's, it was poetic, and it was, you were kind of like, God, is there another dimension where Animal Man is like watch, watching me? With, um, and I totally believe in that, and I love that he talks about that. And I, yeah. more than me believing that, I just like, I like to live in a world where that's a possibility more than I like to live in a world where it's not. And for me, like he's just open doors for like open doors for like what reality is. He's like a literary DMT. DMT. Oh, the drug. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like literary LSD or sure. whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm really you looking gotta, you forward to... You gotta go all the way back to LSD for Roman. Yeah, yeah. I gotta go back. <laughs> yeah. to the classics. Hey, Colette, your final one. Will you close oh. this 100th episode door for us? Man. This says every other writer is garbage. No! <laughs> no, because I honestly, like, I'm a little embarrassed to say this writer. Paul Jenkins. <laughs> um, Claremont. No. Thank God. Uh, He's so written more words than anyone else. <laughs> Gary Dugan. Oh my god! You, you guys love that guy. Stop! I'm, <laughs> I it's hard because I know if I had more time, I, there's someone else I would be like, oh yeah, this hits the like the comfort reading comics place, but also like actual art and and whatnot. And there's a lot of I like I almost said Warren Ellis and I. There's so many people that I hey, want to say. Chase but, your bliss. But, Stand shoot from in your, your truth. So, shoot from your baby. <laughs> uh, I have to say, I'm going to say Bendis is yeah. actually my favorite. And not because I love everything that he does. Because there is 
plenty that he puts out that I find to be so fucking boring. <laughs> but when he hits it right, it like there's that that safety and comfort of just reading a superhero book. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree with you more. Dude. And I can't point to a writer that I feel like writes women better. Mm. That I I have a hard time relating to female characters in especially superhero comics a lot of the time. Not because they're not well written, but it just... There's this niche of being a chick with some balls, as you have all called me I a couple times. Um, Barry is literally sitting on your like, balls right now. I like I, f- it. I feel <laughs> like, like I can balls. actually relate to these more complex female characters. And then I just, I really love a crime noir and his earlier stuff. Like I love Jinx. That is mm-hmm. Dude, really high up there goldfish. for me. I haven't read Goldfish. Fire. He drew it. It's um, yeah, he did. He did the art for Jinx too. Yeah, yeah and it's uh, like so. I, I fucking couldn't agree more with like his writing of female characters and like the way that it feels to me is like it almost feels like so often other books have an agenda by having a a female character or something, and that's not true. But it just feels effortless for him. Like, there's nothing intentional or special going into the fact that this is a female character. Yeah. It's just that this person is a female character, and this is them. Like, Or it's like, they often, a female character, if she's going to have issues, or if she's gonna have areas in her life that she needs to work on, or needs to grow, or that she's hurting, or whatever, it has to be about that. And it's it's this burden put upon the character, but a male character can have... A, hist- a, a heavy past or whatnot, and it's it just creates a richness to the character. And with his characters, they've got like they've got burdens, they've got faults, but it's not defining them. It's mm-hmm. making them more of a whole character. And I really appreciate that that it's not a heavy-handed. It's a woman, and she's got an issue. Yeah, I I don't think he's heavy-handed at all, and I, I like the way that you just described <clears throat> that, and I want to look at some some future books from that perspective. Because, yeah, like, yeah. they are a problem, but, yeah, you're right. Like, they're not defined by that or burdened by it. Like, there's just an effortlessness to his writing of women. Like, it mm-hmm. just seems like he's surrounded by women. He has daughters. He doesn't seem like somebody that is really coming from this place of like, I'm a man, and if I'm writing a woman, I'm trying to make up for being a man. Like, there's just this, like, what I hope to believe that there are these people that just, like, do believe that people are equal and just see people that way. Well, and it's, it feels like, you know, he's just writing a character, but he wants to write new characters or do something different. And female characters are less explored. Mm-hmm. And, and racial minorities. It, like yeah. he's, And he doesn't ever write those in a way that feels like a trope. Yeah. It's not, I'm putting out a book so right. that I can look good. It's, this is a person whose experience I would like to explore. And it's his entire body of work has done that. It's not mm-hmm. in the last, like, seven years, which you can point to people who are, are doing a thing in the last seven years. Yeah. Or last he five also, years. also... He also, like, straddles this line of not writing very subtle things. 
and also not writing super heavy-handed things. Mm -hmm. So like he's he's right down the middle there where it this is what it is, and it's awesome because of that. But like with with Tom King, you're always like, oh, what does that facial expression mean into my fucking comic? And can I trust mm -hmm. the artist to convey that? And with Bendis, it's like, oh yeah. Here's what's going on. It's yeah. people, baby. Yeah. I'm writing people. Yeah. And it's so fucking good. Yeah. And then and he can just do a fun superhero story yeah. <laughs> too. Like his X-Men stuff is some of my favorite X-Men stuff, which is saying a lot because I fucking love the yeah. X-Men. Because I kept and guessing X-Men creators for your favorite yeah. <laughs> people. <laughs> so what's your uh what's your go-to Bendis? Oh um I I I've I feel like there's the two Bendises that I love, and uh, all new X Men would be my my superhero-y one, um, and and then uh, probably Jinx actually. I yeah. really oh or Scarlet, oh. yeah probably Jinx. I ordered myself an absolute edition of Scarlet today. Oh, nice. you need to order another one because I forgot to add that <clears> to my <throat> request. I'll make, I'll make it three tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Mine for him, I think, would be Powers. I really, really like Powers. I know that's not a super popular opinion, um, but... But that's part of what's cool about him is that he's got... Like, yeah. You can have a different taste and find mm -hmm. something in his catalog yeah. that works for you. Mine is definitely his Daredevil, which mm -hmm. I just think is... That was what... That is literally the comic book that taught me, okay, a writer and an artist take on a character and write a character for a period of time and that becomes a run that that person did on it. Like before that I was like, all right, I want to learn about Batman, but how do I learn about Batman? There's 75 years of Batman. How do I, what is, what happened? What didn't happen? Do you have Batman number one? Yeah. What happened after that though? <laughs> and it was reading Daredevil that I was like, okay, like writers take on a period of time where they're in charge of it. And then a new person gets handed the baton like it was a really important discovery for me for appreciating comic books. Yeah. Um, oh, I won't forget it. Yeah, that's a goddamn good book. That's cool. We all have such different Bendis ones because for me it'll be Ultimate Spider-Man. <clears throat> also very very good. Yeah. Yeah. And on top of it, like he's a really nice dude, oh. which is not required. I love some work by some really horrible people, yeah. but it it's always a nice little plus when, when someone that you respect is just a genuinely cool person. Well, that was uh, episode 100, and uh, I don't want to say this out loud, but thank you, Marshalls. Thank you, Murphy's Applejuice.com. Apple Apple um, backslash Papcast. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, sure, let's jump into that. Um, yeah, so if you are constant listeners, yes, go to Murphy's Applejuice.com slash Papcast and enter the code PAPJUICE at checkout, you will get... What was it? Uh, four, four free rectally insertable bottles of apple juice that you can put in there, liquid full, liquid empty. You can drink the juice, fill it with ice, put it in there. It's going to make you feel colder than you've ever been. It's good because it's <laughs> hot these days. And it's, it's a lot of sentiment. to keep your core lower. Lower. Lower core temperature equals better core temperature. That's, yeah. My mom always says that. Yeah. Um, the other thing about... Murphy's apple juice. Yeah. Maybe we should save this for a future podcast. But I just wanted to mention that I think it's impressive that not only have they figured out how to sell us the 16-ounce butt plug-shaped uh, pop-top version, yeah. but 
Also, 32-ounce horse cock. Oh, my God. 32-ounce horse cock. The most amazing thing to me, though, is that not only can they do these, and, and they call that the America size, right? So not only can they do the America size horse cock. But to be cock, fair, it is a giant red, white, and blue striped horse cock flavored yeah. shaped apple juice bottle. Why do you think they call it the America size, I agree. Jeffrey? No. I agree. Um, I'm just amazed that they've been able to successfully market their AJ shots. It's one and a half ounces mm -hmm. of non-alcoholic apple juice. And somehow that is their second most popular product. And uh, I don't know why. It's not It's not to my tastes, but It's not to my taste, but 300 million people can I tell you what it is? I Love mean, like, not not to not to spoil Marshall's secret sauce there, no, but no, like, what, what do you got? when you are going to sell um, sealed, shot-sized, you know, chode-shaped glass cases of one and a half ounces of juice that can automatically be turned into a shot glass, yeah. it's gonna sell. You're you, what you're doing there is you're selling the J shot. Right. You are selling the shot glass. You are selling the packaging. You are selling how adorable a chode is. You are you are doing you are appealing to five different markets. So like Marshalls, thank you again. I very feel much. giant every time I drink an AJ shot. Yeah, because when I, the, the, the the cup just looks like a regular. When cup. I sip from a J chode, I I think to myself, I am enormous. I am God. Yeah. Yeah, I am God. You're right. It's it. They appealed to our ego, and uh, it collectively worked. Uh, collectively worked. So, Marshalls, thank you so much for not being the first to offer us a sponsorship, but being for the first that like, that we're willing to accept. Yeah, Murphy'sAppleJuice.com/papcast. Enter the code papjuice at checkout. You won't regret it unless you use it wrong. Exactly, and there are wrong ways to use it. Um, I want to thank Nick Waite very much for letting us use his intro theme music for like a hundred episodes now. You're the best, soundcloud.com slash stemmingway. Um, I also want to hear from y'all. We've been getting some voicemails lately. That's great. We've been getting some emails lately. That is great. We want more of them. We want to read them online. We want to read them to each other when the radio oh, yeah. is the waves are coming, when the ocean of social interaction is pouring down upon us. We want to bathe in those and just... Like milk. Just salty milk back at you. And, uh, and yeah, you can do that by calling uh, 1-619-663-7336. Leave us a voicemail. Dial 1 first. In Washington State, you gotta dial 1. Gotta dial 1 in Washington. Um, you can also send us an email at info at thecomicsplace.com. We would love that. Thank you guys so much. Colette, thanks for coming on. We'll see oh, you again soon. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, Y'all are the best. 100 episodes. It's going to be crazy to have to do a 200 episode. We're going to have to do artists four through six and writers four <laughs> through six. And no one's going to give a shit about that. Uh, we should just do like I our favorite artists that week. doing oh. colorists and letterers oh, for 200. And inkers. And inkers, hmm. yeah. But we all know who our favorite letterer is. That preacher guy. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That preacher guy. Absolutely my favorite. Yeah. Um, I hope that before we get to episode 200, we do episode 104 in grand style. Yeah, we want to do a live podcast really, really bad with all y'all. Aw. 
I'll bring the baby. It'll make for a great podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is our baby. Hold him up and touch him one finger per person, only on the cheeks. Just like Expose the cheeks, Colette. Touch the baby. Touch the baby, one and all. There's not enough room for all of the fingers. Don't put it there. <laughs> so I'm Jeff, and 100 episodes in, thanks so much to everybody for listening and being part of this group group means a lot we just really like doing it um we just really like doing it if you have any suggestions for what you want to see in the next 100 episodes please let us know we fucking love it um i'm barry and i love you and i'm newberry and i also love you but more than barry i love them more i'm Django. i think that's just jeff making those noises for fuck bears. you man i'm a bear and i love it i hop around uh, Newberry is not Jeffrey. Newberry <laughs> <laughs> is not Jeffrey either. Thank you, boys. <laughs> You're welcome. See, we can talk at the same time. One hundred episodes. Yeah, I know. Hundred episodes! Yay! <laughs> Roman, that's offensive. <laughs> oh, very, very not offensive. <laughs> oh. I'm Colette. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm Roman. Thank you, constant listeners. <laughs>